Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Let me just make my plea. Until the coronavirus is resolved, criminals take a break. Okay? Stay home. Okay? Stay home. And don't commit any crimes. And that way, they'll stay safe and out of jail. And police officers will stay safe and can go home to their families. Okay? So everybody chill. Crooks, criminals, you chill. Wait till the coronavirus is over. Okay, and then we'll all be okay. And that's going to get her done. <laughs> Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It is the 4th of April, year of our Lord, 2020. That is Baltimore's mayor. Yeah, just chill, criminals. Stop shooting each other. It'll make things better. So today we're not going to do what I wanted to do, which was a new social media nuggets. There's just no... There's just not enough information to do it, um, as you can expect, because probably your probably your own life, you know, there's not a lot going on. Uh, we are stuck in home mode, so we're going to stay on COVID hate. It's it's what we're doing. But today we're going to flip the show a little bit because I have a soundbite that's just so angry. Um, it makes you so angry as an American that this is what our media is doing and. We're going to do our This is America up front. So that's uh, that's how we're going to start the show. Uh, some side notes. Uh, listen, uh, had my 33rd wedding anniversary. Um, and first, I guess I, let me start at the beginning. Uh, the show will be a little disconjoined today. I had computer issues. My uh, stray garbage pail cat... Uh, bit through my cord to my laptop. So because this was my anniversary week, uh, I did not go in the basement to do a podcast. So I I ran and did a few spots where I did. And then I waited for a charger that I ordered from Lenovo because Amazon's not shipping anything. Walmart's delayed shipping everything. I mean, I ordered a thermometer just because I bought one for the wife, but we couldn't find it in the house. And, um, you know, for her safety, I'd like to take a temperature every once in a while just to make sure she has a um, allergy cough, as we talked about on each podcast, and I'm freaking out about it, so it comes out on the podcast. And she's taking Claritin, it's making it a little better, but I would just like to be on the safe side. So uh, there's no thermometers in my town, and I ordered one from Amazon, and they weren't going to ship it until like the end of April, and then I went to medical places, but all they had was the forehead checks. So I ordered one on Walmart, and I'm not getting that shit for f- 10 days. It's coming from New Jersey, and I won't get it till next Thursday, which pretty much shows why I went to Lenova and paid the extra money to get a computer charge. And that showed up yesterday, so last night I threw... The rest of the podcast together, it's a little disconjoined. I probably have doubles in here, 
and it goes from ugly to something, and there might be some more ugly. And for that, I apologize. It just was hard to get a script together. But we did venture out. Um, we left Thursday morning at 9 o'clock. We did not return back to the house till 4. And we had a, a glorious time just going to our local national park. And, you know, I really suggest if you live in an area that has national parks, go. The park portion is closed, but the backcountry is not. The lakes are not. And they've kept five boat ramps open. We did not do the boat ramp because of, I, I just thought she'd have a better day if we didn't go fishing because that's more of a me thing. So we decided to just go to areas we've never been. So we drove north of the Kentucky line. And for those that are familiar, land between the lakes are two strips of land between Lake uh, Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley. And it goes all the way to Indiana. And it used to be an Indian trail. And there's a lot of history out there from Civil War to 1800 settlements. But there are so many cemeteries and landmarkers. Uh, we ran into finding a cemetery by Energy Lake, which is way north. It's like 55 miles north. And there was a marker in the middle of nowhere for the first, the youngest drummer boy from the Revolutionary War. That's a marker you just don't think you're going to run into in the middle of nowhere in the woods. But he was the youngest drummer boy during the uh, Revolutionary War, and he came back and he started a grist mill, and he had a land there before it became federal land, protected land, and his grave site was there, and we saw it, but there's a big metal placard, and then every furnace that was made during the 1800s to make iron ore, man, they have markers everywhere, there's another one that was just in the middle of the woods, but uh, long story short, we drove around, got a bunch of good rocks, which some libtard at a Dollar General that I stopped at to see if they had toilet paper so that we were violating nature by removing a rock. Yeah, that happened. Um, didn't put me in a good mood. But we got a bunch of good rocks for her to paint because she does the rock painting. And um, had a great day. I got to admit, we had a great day. And we closed it with going to... Um, <clears throat> We went to a place called Olive Pit. It's in Paris, Tennessee, and I know none of you are near Paris, Tennessee. But if you ever come in this area, go there. It's the best Italian food I've ever had, and I've flown all over the goddamn place, including that Mia, whatever the hell it is in Vegas, which is the one where they bring out 85 dishes for your meal. I mean, every course has new dishes, and dudes are in tuxedos, and uh, the bill for 14 of us from a vendor was $5,000. I mean, it's really expensive. This food is phenomenal, but I, I remark on it because they were doing touchless curbside. So you called, did your order, paid over the phone, and then they asked, where do you want it? A back seat away from you or the trunk? We're preferring the trunk. I said, I'll open my trunk. And so we had our trunk open. The lady put our meal in the trunk. She waved at us. She walked away, and we drove home. And for this location, this restaurant... Same portions, nothing was different. You know, usually, as Joe Pesci, Pesci said in uh, Lethal Weapon Part 9422, they always fuck you in the drive-thru. They did not fuck you in the drive-thru. Uh, I got my usual Italian seafood 
spicy seafood spaghetti meal that takes me two days to eat because it's so much food. I'm a big fat guy. And I got two days of food. So uh, it was pretty cool. Then we, of course, watched a bunch of movies, but I'm going to save that for the backside. We're going to do a review of 1917. We're going to do a review of uh, Lethal, or sorry, Bad Boys 3, which was really, really good. And we also rented Rambo 75, um, which we did go to the theaters to uh, uh, see. But... um. It, it came out, and we watched it, so we'll do those reviews on the back end and any other TV shows that I've watched. So, Let's get in uh, to some ugly. This was the original format. We're going to go through a few things uh, here, and then we're going to do This is America because I'm angry, and this soundbite uh, pretty much breaks it down. Uh, our first asshole, uh, and, and you know, I used to do a section is your motherfucker, the motherfucker of the day, for those that were at the show a long time ago, and I kind of took it off because it was uncouth. Jamel Hill. Uh, Robert Kraft took the Patriot aircraft and flew it to China and flew back a bunch of PPE. It was a great thing. But because people, I mean, we're talking 1.7 million masks. Because people are so TDS, Jamel Hill, the racist that used to be on ESPN. This is her tweet. This is where I remind people that Robert Kraft is friends with Donald Trump and gave to his campaign. It's incredible that Kraft family is doing this, but hope they understand their money helped empower their friend. There's a lot like that. Yeah. Then you have uh, the releases. Eight sex offenders, including three child rapists, given out by Cuomo because they don't want them to get COVID. Governor Newsom commuted the sentence of 21 convicted felons. 14 of them were convicted of murder. Two killed children. Yeah. And, of course, I have two sound bites that I'll play really quick before we go into This is America. There's a lot of MSNBC with the left pushing, which is the subject of our This is America. This is Trump's fault. We need investigations. All the deaths are his. And those are going to be strewn through the whole podcast of people saying the blood is on his hand. Uh, the first one is Scarborough, the first time he talked about it, which wasn't until February. The second soundbite is Rachel Maddow, who said the HN... SN Comfort would never be in New York City. Uh, we played on the last podcast a thousand people showing, you know, on the on the dock visiting the HSNS Comfort, but she won't retract that because she's got TDS. Now we we've heard Zeke Emanuel that have seen this coming. The fact is, everybody's coming. Everybody saw this coming in February, so. I, I know it, it's you like me. In terms of uh, the happy talk we've had on this front from the federal government, there is no sign that the Navy hospital ships that the president made such a big deal of, the Comfort and the Mercy, um, there's no sign that they'll be anywhere on site helping out anywhere in the country for weeks yet. The president said when he announced that those ships would be put into action against the COVID-19 epidemic, he said one of those ships would be operational in New York Harbor by next week. That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. It's, you know, Maddow and company over there on MSNBC, and the reason why I'm playing this stuff is just to remind you, the, we know who these people are. 
They're going to start this push, including everybody, and we do have a soundbite today where somebody pushed back on de Blasio, finally, as they start this, hey, we can use this for political fodder because we're Democrats and everything's political fodder. It wasn't that far ago that we remember what they were doing. Matto, Trump trouts unproven corona drugs that are now being used, all right? It's being used. It's all over the place. It's actually working. Then you have her thing. Hi again, Mr. President. That clip was from March 20th. You said the ship would be in the New York Harbor by last week. She was not in New York last week, which is what I said on my show. You were wrong about it. No hard feelings. Everybody led. It's there now. But you really have been terrible about communicating true factual information to the public in crisis. Please let the expert in science speak instead. And please nationalize the supply chain. Uh, you said weeks, you were wrong, you were always wrong, as in your network. Matter was just proven wrong in front of the entire world, and she won't even fucking admit it, because she won't. But they're not doing social distancing. The picture is crowds. I mean, there's over a thousand people on the dock. None of them are, none of them are doing it. Um, I mean, they're, they're just not doing it. And then, then you have the Arizona, the, the chloroquine. Um, the Arizona lady, uh, story breaks now. She was a huge ass damn low donor. She was never just some random person. That's how she got to the media so quick. And that's why the media sought her out. She wasn't just some old lady in Arizona. They were Dems, big time Dem donors, lots of money. That's how they got on the TV so fucking quick. And then I really want you to remember before we go into this is America. The Kennedy Center got all that money. They have laid everybody off. The money was so they weren't supposed to lay people off. And the media is all on this kick of, we don't want to give money to these companies because they're not going to employ their people and they don't need golden parachutes and there shouldn't be any bonuses. And then Nancy Pelosi's donor, who donates to the Dems, the Kennedy Center, the moment they got done, I'm not going to play it on the show, but there's actually audio of a meeting that got leaked. Now, we got this money, but we're still laying everybody off. They don't give a fuck. So, let's get to the what was supposed to be the end of the show, but I can't wait for the end of the show. Our This Is America section sums up what is going on in our media and with the Dems. I'm going to play a Don Lemon soundbite. You will then hear an Oakland soundbite of people in the streets and a liberal yelling about sheltering in place. And she's not sheltering in place. She's yelling at another person. We'll then remark about it secondly. And then I'm going to throw down the gauntlet with a long soundbite of what the media is on now, that all the blood is on Trump's hands. Gee, who would ever have thought that we could just ride this out? Does he think that we've all forgotten that he called the coronavirus a hoax? Does he think that we've forgotten what he said, that he said that it would disappear like a miracle? That his administration insisted it was contained, mocked people who said otherwise, urged Americans to buy stock? And he said 15 cases would go down to zero in a couple of days. That's all the truth. It's all on tape. And where did people get the false and dangerous idea that this was like the flu? There it is, maybe from the president, who tweeted, 
just a few weeks ago comparing the number of people who die from the flu to deaths from coronavirus. Tonight, he also took credit for what he calls the biggest decision he made, shutting down travel from China. Some people are fact-averse, but we like the facts on this show. And so here's the fact to that, because you've been hearing that a lot from the president, okay? Everybody listen. Here's the fact. The president didn't shut down travel from China. Yet, you know, it is the president's job to give Americans hope. It's also his job to level with people. We need honesty, and we need credibility, and we need it now. Two things this president has squandered away over the last three years. And from the very beginning of this. Your ass is grass. Do you understand? And if you. So. Be looking out for those cops. All right, I will. I'll be looking out for those cops. Sheltered in place. Go ahead, put me on social media. You're a little pup. Seriously? Seriously, I called the cops. I can't. Okay. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. (laughs) That's the setup. The setup is now we're going to do what we always do with liberals. It's revisionist history. We're not going to remember every fucking Democratic leader saying you need to go to Chinatown, you need to order Chinese food, you need to go about your daily lives. It was all over the news. No, it's his fault. He's the one that didn't call it a hoax, but we're saying it because we parsed the words. He said that they're using it as the next hoax, and it's true. We're seeing it right now. They've argued China. The big thing today, I'm not covering, it's all over the place. We want the national stuff to be states. And um, simultaneously, you got another group of liberal journalists. Well, the federal government should take charge of all this shit. And he's already ordered people to make shit. He's ordered 3M not to ship to anybody but us. He's done everything, but they nitpick. And why do you say it's yours when it's really the states that paid for it? And blah, blah, blah. And then as the week goes on, they just come straight out to this soundbite, which is our, this is America, the worst fucking thing. It's all his fault. Why every time there's a national disaster, Republicans are to blame for it? 9-11 Republicans. We didn't do this for H1N1. We didn't do this for any Democrat fuck-up ever. Nobody went on the media and said Jimmy Carter's to blame for Desert One. For the Iran hostage. They talked about the optics were bad. They didn't say it was his fault. But every time there's something, this is what our media does to help the Democratic Party. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. I got the strap. Uh, Governor Cuomo, no matter what you thought of him before, whatever arguments you might have had before, is treating this with truth and straightforwardness. He's treating the citizens of New York as adults, people who can make their decisions based on the truth and understand the truth. The president of the United States, well, 
the cocktail of all his worst qualities, his mendaciousness, his, uh, his constant telling of lies, his narcissism, his lack of empathy for people in general, his obsession with the money classes, etc., has led to disaster, has led to delay. And this will be, and I think history will prove this, this will be something that's paid in human lives, and that's an enormous tragedy. The White House coronavirus briefing is about to begin, but before we go to it, we want to note a few things. First of all, we know these briefings have a tendency to veer in a lot of different directions. Not all of them are informative or relevant in the midst of this crisis. So we will listen as the president talks, and we will make sure we're giving you a fact check and putting what he says in context on the other side. There are several questions that we have today that we are looking to get answered. You just heard a bunch of them on masks. Are we going to be wearing them? What does our summer look like? What's the situation on testing and the medical equipment? So those are the answers we're hoping to get. And obviously, what is the data that you use to make these decisions? If it veers too much off, we will break it. We will break off and come back here. But for the most part, we want to listen in to the information we hope he is bringing to all of us. Let's take a listen. Now, on this show yesterday, constitutional law professor Lawrence Tribe of Harvard University confirmed what we suspected all along, that Cuomo was right and Trump had no constitutional authority to claim he could quarantine whole states. And right on cue, Trump almost immediately backed down tweeting that he has advised the CDC to issue a travel warning, but that he had determined a quarantine will, quote, not be necessary. Not necessary? Man, try not legally possible. But go off, apprentice guy, go off. Of course, it's hardly news that Trump has always had designs on reigning as a monarch with unlimited power rather than serving as a mere president in a democracy. But with the country facing an unprecedented public health crisis, what lengths might he backed by an attorney general whose writings and actions point to a fundamental belief in an all-powerful presidency, at least when the would-be king is a Republican, what lengths might Trump go to to expand his power under the guise of national security? You know, your campaign put out your, in a critique of, of President Trump and says if he doesn't do these things, you know, he could, he could cost lives. Do you think there's already, do you think there is blood on the president's hands considering the slow response? Or is that too, too harsh of a criticism? I think that's a little too harsh. I think what's happening is the failure to... In an interesting uh, correlation to the coronavirus, if there is any, any silver lining, pollution levels way, way down. Take a look. This is what it looked like, our pollution looked like a year ago in and around the New York City area. Well, this year, now, carbon monoxide levels are down nearly 50% because we're staying home. Out in Los Angeles, you can see how bad the pollution is. Well, it gets knocked down completely, but again, by over half over a year ago, from a year ago. You said the president should stop misleading Americans. Do you believe he is doing so intentionally to paint a rosier picture? She believes the president's failure to act early on cost American lives. That is a bold accusation. Mr. Vice President, do you think President Trump is responsible for the deaths of Americans? You know, your strength, really your strength, is in traveling around the country and connecting with people, right? Connecting with voters, looking them in the eye, a hug, a handshake, especially in these crucial months before the election. And, and you can't do any of that right now. Mr. Vice President, does, does that worry you? No, it doesn't worry me. The thing that worries me is whether we get this under control. I'm not being... 
And now, of course, he had to say, actually, we're probably not going to be able to get back and up and running until maybe June. So he's been telling people the, the country, the churches should be packed um, by Easter Sunday. And today he had to admit, actually, I have to extend my my guidelines to April 30th. And of course, my question was about the fact that he's been saying repeatedly that governors don't need the medical equipment that they're requesting, specifically saying that New York doesn't need 30 or 40,000 ventilators. And of course, the president lashed out. And my message to people that have watched me is stay forward, stay focused, be steady and continue to do the job that you were there to do. For me, it's to be a journalist and to hold presidents accountable. And that's what I did today. Jeremy gave you the mic so that you could ask your second question. Did that go better than the first round? That went a bit better than the first round, which was that the first time the president lashed out at me and took it personally that I was trying to hold him accountable by quoting his own words back to him. In this case, of course, I have to say thank you to Jeremy of CNN for giving me the opportunity to ask my second question. We know now that covering President Trump, sometimes it's like a team sport. We have to have each other's back in the press corps, and Jeremy had my back today, so I appreciate that. Senator, um, I think that uh, regular information in times of crisis from the government on sort of the science and facts and policy are essential, but um, I personally can't help but feel these daily sessions are, are bad for the country, uh, even dangerous from a public health perspective. What, do you, what is your view? It's obviously above my pay grade. I don't make the call that we take them or, or not, but it seems crazy to me that everyone's still taking them when you got the MyPillow guy uh, getting up there talking about reading the Bible. And as you watch the president deal with a crisis that he's never dealt with before, any sense at all that it's changed him, or is he still very much the man you first encountered at Trump Tower so long ago? I, I am amazed watching this play out, how much seeing every day the way he has handled this crisis uh, is explained in my book. Uh, the, 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 very same, uh, the very same Donald Trump that we see who is uh, obsessed with the ratings, with the viewers. He, just yesterday he was talking about how many people are tuning in uh, to his press conference, complain, you know, comparing it to The Bachelor. Uh, the way he takes his own counsel, uh, he goes and he does things by gut. I, I, I've seen this happen over and over again. Uh, he may ask for advice. He may seek eventually, uh, you know, advice of experts, but he'll go and he'll do something like he did just the other day and say, we're going to essentially reopen the country uh, by Easter and then have to flip around once he talks to the experts and say, no, actually, uh, we're going to be uh, we're, we're going to be locked down at least till the end of April. And in fact, the peak in terms of number of deaths, the president said yesterday would be two weeks from now. He may or may not be right about that, but two weeks from yesterday when he said that, is actually Easter Sunday. Right. All while suggesting it's not a turnaround at all. And I have to ask you about at least one story in the book that my eyes popped out uh, when I read it. It's a story about how when Mick Mulvaney came in as the new acting chief of staff for the president, he invites the whole senior White House staff to Camp David for a kind of weekend retreat. And, 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 and he makes a startling suggestion. He, said, he asked them all to read a book with this title. I want to make sure I get it right. So I'm going to read it here. A First-Rate Madness, Uncovering the Links Between Leadership and mental illness. George, I, I wrote this book because I had seen so much history unfold. I had seen a story, I think, unlike any other uh, White House reporter in history. I had been up close and personal with Trump, and, and I wanted to, to, to write about all the things that I couldn't talk about uh, as it was all happening because we were just so overwhelmed. But as I went back and started reporting on this book and talking to people, I learned about what was happening behind the scenes. And this was one of the incredible stories. So, you know, some people think of Donald Trump as a genius. Some people think of him as crazy. But what I learned is that 
Uh, Mick Mulvaney, when he became acting chief of staff, essentially saw him as both. And, and this book argues that the best leaders in history have been mentally ill. And this is what he was having the senior White House staff meet the first time he got together with them as acting chief of staff. And is there one thing you would tell him to do now, whether it be an actual move or it, uh, working on his messaging to the American people? Uh, I'll be honest, Meek, I'd ask him to resign. I think he's uh, the worst failed leader our country has ever seen. I mean, this is really failed leadership that has put us in a catastrophic position. We are far behind the rest of the world. Um, we're really going to end up being the shame of the world when this epidemic is over. And we should all be ashamed of where we are and how we ended up here. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about facts as it pertains to leadership. Jeffrey Goldberg, I'll throw this one at you. We had uh, a former Obama official on the show yesterday, Seth Harris, who said said the president should resign. That this is failed leadership that has put us in a catastrophic position. Pretty harsh statement. But I'll ask that you debunk that. Um, we have a government that has uh, ordered up 100,000 body bags at this point. Uh, they won't streamline. The president will not streamline the DPA to focus on masks and ventilators getting directly to the people who need them. He's leaving it to the governor. So you have California that's doing pretty well in leadership, started early, and the numbers are going down. But then you have places like Georgia, where the governor just figured out this week that there are asymptomatic carriers. I mean... The, the, the stupidity level uh, on the highest levels of, of leadership in states is showing itself during this crisis. And you have the governor of Florida just shutting down the state late last night, just late last night. Well, we are considered to be in Florida, in Miami especially, to be the next hot spot to have overrun hospitals and deaths, uh, staggering numbers through the roof. So the question is, how is that comment not true? What facts has this president put out during his nightly, weekly briefings that give us some sense of hope? that there is leadership from the top that is going to lead us out of this. Joe Biden's been critical of the Trump administration's response to this coronavirus since January. It's been two long months now, and so today we asked him to assess the president's performance. Mr. Vice President, what is President Trump's level of culpability? What's his level of responsibility uh, say, toward the illness and fatalities we're witnessing every few minutes these days? I put it slightly differently. What is his responsibility uh, and what, uh, if there was an, an you know, allocating uh, responsibility is, uh, you know, hist I'll let history do that. But it's clear that a lot of people, not just me, but you, a lot of people talked about, saw this coming all the way back in January. Mr. Vice President, I have a final question for you. I, and I ask this not as in a political way, but for you, sir, like so many of us in our nation, you are a person of deep faith. No one doubts that. When you talk to God in your moments alone, do you find yourself worrying at all that people you represent and care deeply about have died and will die who did not need to because of steps the federal government did not take soon enough? Well, thank you for mentioning that we are talking about one American at a time. And I promise you that's the way President Trump thinks of this. It's the way I think of it. 
We wanted the American people to see the numbers so that we understand the challenging days that lie ahead. But I want people to know that um, our future is in your hands, that if every one of us will do uh, and put into practice the guidelines for America, that, that we can bring those numbers down. I, I, I really do believe them. We'll get through this, and we'll come out stronger than ever. That is just heinous. Just fucking heinous. How do you, how do you remotely say that? How? I, I don't even know how you come up with that. They have done every angle possible. They have done blue versus red. They have done fucking Fox News. They have done his travel bans racist, but he didn't do it fast enough. I mean, how do you... I mean, this week, Michael Barbaro, in a word, the South, when people stop traveling more than two miles, because a new app came out, and we'll go over it, of what your grade is, simultaneously, liberals are fucking pissed that Google is assisting tracking your phone movements. And that's how they're coming up with the data, whether states are staying home or not. In a million years, I would never say the following. But yesterday morning, with yesterday morning's numbers, I pulled out a calculator. Because there's been so much Fox News is killing people. Trump is killing people in red states. Red states aren't following this. We hope red states are getting it. It'll be really good if red states have more cases than blue states. Nate Silverman was the first with a quantitative Clinton versus Trump states. It's Fox News and him. They're all going to die. Deaths as of yesterday morning, 3,615 in blue, 1,498 in red. New York City alone has 83,901 cases of COVID. How your little dick dance of the red states are going to surpass that, I don't know when you have New York City. Which I relish in not a bit. It is sad. It is scary for those people. It justifies my theory that they're all stuck there and all our media come from New York. And that's why they're scared. They're locked in. They're not happy. Blame Trump. Because they hate Trump. They gotta, they gotta lash out at something. And that's how all this is happening. Evil southern states. Christians are back in here again. It's just evil, evil, evil. Blue states in total of yesterday, 150,901 cases. Red states didn't have that much. 64,000. That's it. But they were going with it. Chris Saliza rolled out an article attacking only Republican governors, mine specifically. And he ran out a, a sheet that there's 46 per 987. New Jersey has 44. Michigan has 43 per million. That's basically what he's doing. California, Kentucky, and Tennessee have three. But he said it was very negative, far slower response. He, he tried to do it. Then a Pew survey came out. 67% of Americans have never even heard of QAnon. Chris Saliza summarized QAnon as a belief that there's a high-level government officials 
These motherfuckers went after my pillow. Jordan Sather. What an interesting coupon code for my pillow to have right now. Not a bad discount either. Looks like it's still working. Didn't POTUS just bring my pillow to the White House and they found on QAnon a Q code, excuse me, on my pillow, which was supposed to be QAnon. Ben Collins, the latest Q proof, which is proof QAnon is real and idiot lingo, is that there's a my pillow promo code that cuts the price of four pillows two hundred dollars to eighty. Jared Holt of Right Wing Watch noted the other letters working as well. The QAnon folks are talking to a lot about my pillow today, but the same discount works with three different letters. KWQ, all three letters render the same discount. This is how desperate the movement is for solid proof. Discount codes. After appearing at the White House, MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell shared a post connecting his company to the QAnon conspiracy theory. Also, he said the demons are attacking the website. This concludes my time on the MyPillow promo code Global Cabal Tweet. Ryan Broderick, update. I spoke to Lindell. He doesn't know what QAnon is. The code is from four years ago, and they had letters you could enter to get a discount. I had no idea what it is, he told the QAnon, told me about QAnon. Well, I certainly don't believe in it. He's undoing the, the retweet. Because he retweeted something thinking it was about my pillow and didn't read it. But these wahoos went out and found a code and said that was why he went to the White House because he's part of QAnon. That's how fucking bored they are. Coupon codes mean conspiracy. And then Adam Schiff. After Pearl Harbor, 9-11, looked at what wrong and learned from our mistakes. Once we've recovered, we need a nonpartisan commission to review our response and how we can be better prepared for the next pandemic. I'm working on a bill to do that. No, they're not. They're working on another impeachment. They've already formed a, a fucking committee. But they're not going to look at Governor Newsom. Coronavirus is an opportunity to reimagine a more progressive era. James Clyburn who touted coronavirus as a tremendous political opportunity to take the hell of Pandemic Oversight Committee. Yeah. So they're, 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 who's making this politics? Is it conservatives? I, I don't think it is conservatives. You are outright just fucking attacking anything conservative. Anything. I woke up Saturday morning, or not Saturday morning, uh, Wednesday morning, I believe. Rocky Mountain tweet. I see that, oh God, Lord is, oh Lord God is trending. I go to see what posts are, and now I know why this country's so messed up. Oh Lord God, you don't fucking exist. You perfect God is a figment of your imperfect human imagination. Grow up, evolve, educate yourself. Fairy tales are for children. Better yet, stop indoctrinating children so that the world will cure itself of the disease of religion. Sam Harris quote, either God can do nothing to stop catastrophes, or he doesn't care, or he doesn't exist. God is either impotent, evil, or imaginary. Take your pick and choose widely. Understand, this is just the top ten. There's thousands. Every liberal went and lost their shit. And remember, oh Lord God wasn't a hashtag. 
People were just saying it, and it became up a trend because people were putting out prayers for fucking New York. But liberals, no. So many sheeple with this oh Lord God bullshit. If your imaginary sky daddy were real and allowed this pandemic to happen, he's a cunt. Period. Get off your goddamn knees and start actually doing something. Oh Lord God, what a downright spiteful fraud I can do more with these two hands put to work bare than a million of your fan club can do with their class in a prayer. And he did this evil thing with a devil and said, Hail Satan. Repent, in other words, change your life. For a new daily living has begun. This time when you live for yourself is over. Now is the time for living with you, with and for God, with and for others, with and for love. Fuck God. Somebody took a scripture, I think it's Matthew 4.17, and put fuck God in there. Washington Post. Toxic masculinity, white evangelicals, hamstrung virus response. Another one. They saw the New York Times got good click off it. So we're going to do it. And even the media bashed God. At a time when Americans are holding on to any piece of information they can get about the coronavirus, misinformation is more dangerous than ever. And it appears that even the most prominent voices in some media, I'm going to call it Fox, they ain't realizing it. Between March 9th and March 31st, many Americans kept going on about their normal lives, and a number of confirmed cases across the country rose by more than 185,000. I'm relieved to be talking about this with you because all week long you've been discussing it. You and I both share moms who watch Fox News. And you've called Fox News out, and you've gotten a major response in the op-ed that you wrote calling them out for their coronavirus coverage. Tell us more about it. Yeah. Well, I wrote, I wasn't writing about Fox per se. It was my mom and the information she was getting. She had a lot of information that just was terrible, including that it was just like the flu and that she could go out and that there was no problem. Um, and that it was a democratic, uh, talking point to score political points. And I, you know, that it was, it was all kinds of really bad information. And I realized it was a lot of stuff that was being said on Fox's. And so I just wrote about that. And then, uh, you know, Sean Hannity on Fox, sort of his head blew off just because I pointed out the obvious is that she, they're, they're news consumers of Fox and they let these people down. You have the primary source of misinformation about this health crisis, at least up until recently, coming from a news outlet that's target audience is the most vulnerable group of people to that disease or to that pandemic. And it's sort of this perfect storm where you have this entire community that over several years predating Trump, but certainly with Trump's presidency, um, has been taught not to trust the mainstream media. And and so you get to this sort of crazy perfect storm where all of a sudden the, the very people who are most vulnerable to this disease are simultaneously being given the worst information about it. You're arguing there's uh, more to the responses that we're seeing, which is religious nationalism. Uh, you have a New York Times op-ed titled, The Religious Rights Hostility to Science is Crippling Our Coronavirus Response. Walk us through your thinking a little bit. What do you mean by that? Well, that's true. My concern here is not with any particular religious creed, but with the political movement that often cloaks itself in religious rhetoric. So there are a number of ways in which the religious right bears some responsibility 
for the current incompetence in our national response. First and foremost, the movement promotes an anti-science culture that rejects the evidence of science, rejects expertise and critical thinking, and that has obviously contributed to our ability to address this issue in and this crisis in an evidence-based fashion. Um, misinformation is rife in these sort of hyper-conservative and also highly politicized religious communities that we're all in for Trump. Secondly, and this is becoming, unfortunately, incredibly obvious right now, we have a poorly developed collective infrastructure, the kind of infrastructure you need to craft a collective response to a collective crisis. And that is a consequence of far-right-wing economic policy, government-bashing, and uh, religious nationalism. There is some implication, is implicated in that too. The movement has allied itself uh, completely with a kind of libertarian uh, far-right economic wing of the uh, Republican Party, and so it shares some of the blame that falls on that group. Religious nationalists have also supported, supported politicians and policies that have led to the privatization of health care and the hauling right. out of the social safety net. Yeah, that's that's what they went with. That That's what they went with, just passionate. Then Trump campaign, and once again, this is all my This America section, has been quietly calling re restaurants and ordering large amounts of food to be delivered to hospitals in an effort to feed doctors, nurses, and first responders. A journalist put this out. These are the responses. This is quite literally the least they can do. Receipts, please. Could they maybe call and order masks? That's nice. Now where's the PPE and ventilators? Maybe you could try getting them to set life-saving equipment they need instead of using them as a campaign prop. Serious question. Why should I believe a word of this? They're just evil people. I mean, I'm to the point where I just realize they're even evil people. They hate everybody that's not like them. And as the screws of life start pinning them in, well, this is how they react. There was one positive, and we'll take it as our music break, and then we'll come into Fox Hate, because there's a lot of that going on. It's a network's fault also. While the rest of the networks work for the DNC, they're just so butthurt that one works kind of for the RNC. A prayer did happen on national TV. I was kind of surprised. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to be all right. Bishop, um, 30 seconds for, for folks who weren't able to, to get to church uh, yesterday. I've never actually done this on the air. Uh, can you lead us in, in prayer for, for 30 seconds? Yes, I can. If our Father and our God, we bow our heads to you in humility, understanding that we are not competent in and of ourselves to handle this kind of global calamity. We look to you, Lord, to be the source, the strength, the help, the light that we need. Strengthen our first responders. Strengthen even our broadcast people. Strengthen all of us whose lives have been de devastated and disrupted. And give us the peace that passes all understanding. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bishop Jake, it's always good to see you, sir. Thank you. You are very experienced, and you're getting more and more than you ever imagined by the hour. But you're also young. Uh, how hard is it for you emotionally to see people who should not be ready to die uh, and the desperation that I know that you see and the helplessness? How do you handle that emotionally? 
Um, I have good days and I have bad days. Um, it's very hard to see someone close to your age in there fighting for their life, um, completely healthy, and the virus, the beast, has taken them down um, so quickly. Um, I handle it because of my faith um, and my support system at home, um, my husband and my family and friends. I honestly could not get through every single day without them. Um, I just get so emotional about what we have to see. Like, with me being so young, I didn't ever think that I would see this amount of deaths all at one time. I mean, you think about it throughout your nursing career, you're going to see a bunch of them. But all at one time is, I don't know how to explain the feelings that I have for it. Like, it's, sorry. Sorry. Listen, you are the best of us. So many families are going to be given a gift by you that nobody else could. And it is so sad and it is tragic and it is wrong that that is put on you. But that is why we call you guys heroes. And I know that it doesn't end with you at that bedside. You have to think about what you're bringing home to your husband, young family, your loved ones, day after day. And with the equipment, and I know you guys feel alone. I know you're calling the virus the beast. I'm hearing that all over the country. And I know you guys feel like you're not sure if people get what you're up against. We get it. We get it enough, God willing, to stay home and keep our asses on the couch so that you can do your job saving the rest of us. And I promise you the people in my business get it, and they will push people in power to make sure you have what you need because you are doing everything for us. I'm just sorry you're in the position. I'm not. I was led here. This is my journey, and this is what God wants me to do, so I will do it with my faith and my head held high and do what I need to do for y'all's family and my family and the community. You know what? I knew you were going to say that. And do you know why? Because... Every person I talk to in your situation, it's like it's got to be something genetic um, where you have a quality in you that just allows you to care for other people in a way most don't. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. As you know, the establishment press has been screwing up coronavirus stories from day one. So there are four steps to understanding their coverage, and here's what they are. The first step, as usual, blame racism. Here are two New York Times headlines from the early days of the outbreak. Quote, an outbreak of racist sentiment as coronavirus reaches Australia. In other words, people's bad opinions are worse than a pandemic. (laughs) Here's another. In Europe, fear spreads faster than the coronavirus itself. Okay. So then as the virus kept spreading, there was step two, play down the risks, which the New York Times assiduously did. On January 29th, the paper warned you to, quote, beware the pandemic panic. Calm down, ladies and gentlemen. A week later, they asked, who says it's not safe to travel to China? 
book a ticket to Wuhan, racist. Somehow, telling the public the coronavirus was no big deal didn't in the end contain the virus, so the Times went to step three, politicized the crisis. Calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus is bigotry, the paper will tell you, but they had no problem on February 26th publishing an op-ed saying, quote, let's call it Trump virus. And then last week, in a shameful moment that will live forever in infamy, the paper declared, and I'm quoting, the road to coronavirus hell was paved by evangelicals. Yeah, that's right. A pandemic that emerged from an atheist country is really the fault of Christians, says the New York Times. That tells you a lot about where they are. And now this week, the paper has settled on its favorite step. Step four, blame Fox News. Of course, because there's a political strategy here. Last week, they warned about, quote, Fox's fake news contagion. Then there was yesterday's article. <laughs> Talk about a lie. This show was telling you about the dangers of this disease way back in January when the Times was still wondering if it was racist to even know it existed and encouraging you to travel to Wuhan on vacation. The reason why the media is so evil towards Fox because it's the only thing that's calling them out on their bias. Yes, Fox is conservatively biased. The rest are doing the blood on the hands. I mean, just blood on their hands. So Jay Rosen from the New York, New York University School of Journalism, he's a professor, he pushes this out on media matters. Fox News is worried about legal action after misleading viewers. I've been talking to Fox Insiders over the last few days. There's a real concern inside the network that their early downplaying of the coronavirus actually exposed Fox News to potential legal action. Michael R. Bromwich, another journalist. Fox is right to be concerned, very concerned. This could be a legal bloodbath. Discovery will undoubtedly show that its personnel are putting out falsely comforting information it knew to be false and misleading in order to sync up with White House messaging. Karma dog. All media is guilty then. Enemy of the people. And they're right. I mean, if you're going to say Fox is wrong, well, you people were airing the whole go out and work. You don't stay home. Go on with your lies. Go to Chinatown. There are so many articles. Here, Here's just somebody who's screen printing this, and I don't have their name. We should desecrate the war on corona. As the coronavirus spreads, fear is fueling racism and xenophobia. Get a grip, America. The flu is much bigger threat than coronavirus for now. You're... Oh, let me get my glasses on. You're likely to get... To get coronavirus, don't worry about it. Is the coronavirus worse than the flu? Here's how the two illnesses compare. The fear of the coronavirus and the reality of the flu. Panic over coronavirus could be caused by flu numbers. The flu is way bigger threat, this is Science Magazine, to most people in the U.S. Um, panic over the coronavirus could be caused by the flu. New coronavirus may be no more dangerous than the flu. MD flu deaths climb as flu more worrisome. Amid coronavirus outbreaks, doctors remind public flu is deadlier. AP, is a new virus more deadly than the flu? Not exactly. Uh, KVAL, local station, coronavirus is scary, but the flu is deadlier. Uh, you want me to continue? Yeah, I got more. Experts warn flu is greater risk. This flu is still bigger health problem. Want to protect yourself from coronavirus? Do the same thing you do every winter with the flu. Uh, doctors suggest worrying about the common flu more. Arizona Central, new coronavirus likely to go pandemic. That's no reason to panic. 
Uh, relax, coronavirus is less dangerous than the flu. Daily Beast, the virus killing U.S. kids isn't the one dominating the headlines. Forget the coronavirus, the flu pandemic of 1918 killed more people in one year than World War One. New coronavirus spread more likely flu than SARS. Uh, Snopes, false, the coronavirus is not worse than the flu. That was on Snopes. Uh, Chicago Tribune, why are we panic about the coronavirus and calm about the flu? Why we panic about coronavirus but not the flu on Axios? Coronavirus is deadlier, but flu has claimed over 8,000 lives. WAPO, perspective, why should be why we should be skeptical of China's coronavirus quarantine? Perspective, why we should be wary of aggressive government response to coronavirus? Perspective, how our brains make coronavirus seem scarier and xenophobic. Perspective, past epidemics prove fighting coronavirus with travel bans is a mistake. New report came out, 3.5 million fucking people traveled here from China after the outbreak. Because he had a fight to put the travel ban in. World Health Organization, preliminary investigation conducted by Chinese authority have found no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission A novella. Tom Elliott, Pelosi touring San Francisco, February 24th. We don't want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. Come join us. We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Chuck Schumer, the premature travel ban to and from China by the current administration is just an excuse to further his ongoing war against immigrants. There must be checks and balances on these restrictions. How about de Blasio? Since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get out of town despite coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestion. Here's the first through Thursday 3-5. Go see The Traitor, Film Inc. If The Wire was a true story and set in Italy, it would be this film. Remember, they said Trump is doing nothing and the blood is on his hands. Here are actually some journalists bashing de Blasio. I mean, I've been done with de Blasio for years, but I, I think in the way that I've been so impressed with Governor Cuomo and his sort of prudence and due diligence and the way that he is handling everything, both just logically and tonally, I have been greatly appreciative of. And then I think completely juxtaposed is just what an absolute irresponsible buffoon de Blasio has been. And I 100% agree with you. He actually said, I believe, 10 days ago that people should go out and socialize yeah. and go to restaurants and hug each other. And as you said, Dan, he was seen um, going to the gym, I believe, last Sunday or the Sunday before. I don't I don't remember. And then this past weekend, he was seen in Park Slope uh, walking with his wife, meaning he had to go all the way from Gracie Mansion with his detail downtown to go walk in the park. Now, I've not been to Gracie Mansion, but my understanding is there's an enormous grounds for people to walk around. It's a huge property. If he wants to walk around outside with his wife, stay in Gracie Mansion. Don't put your security detail and other New Yorkers at, at health risk. If God forbid he's asymptomatic and walking around. Yeah. So I've been done with de Blasio for a long time. I can't stand him. Um, he killed the groundhog on Groundhog Day, among other things that I don't like about him. And New York deserves so much better than this man. And I'm just grateful that we have Governor Cuomo doing a great job. Well, let's let's uh, let's talk about facts as it pertains to leadership. Jeffrey Goldberg, I'll throw this one at you. We had uh, a former Obama official on the show yesterday, Seth Harris, who said said the president should resign, that this is failed leadership that has put us in a catastrophic position. Pretty harsh statement. 
But I'll ask that you debunk that. I mean, we have a government that has uh, ordered up 100,000 body bags at this point. Uh, they won't streamline. The president will not streamline the DPA to focus on masks and ventilators getting directly to the people who need them. He's leaving it to the governor. So you have California that's doing pretty well in leadership, started early, and the numbers are going down. But then you have places like Georgia, where the governor just figured out this week that there are asymptomatic carriers. I mean, the 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 stupidity level uh, on the highest levels of, of leadership in states is showing itself during this crisis. And you have the governor of Florida just shutting down the state late last night, just late last night. Well, we are considered to be in Florida, in Miami especially, to be the next hotspot to have overrun hospitals and deaths, uh, staggering numbers through the roof. So the question is, how is that comment not true? What facts has this president put out during his nightly, weekly briefings that give us some sense of hope that there is leadership from the top that is going to lead us out of this. We've had you on a bunch over the last couple of months, Mayor de Blasio, talking about this. You've been gracious to come on a bunch and update us and update the country about the state of the problem. Obviously, the set of facts we have today are a lot different than they were two months ago. But you tried to calm people on these morning interviews where you would say, I'm not going to close the schools, I'm not going to close the playgrounds, I think you can still go out and live your life live your lives. Knowing what you know now, do you wish you'd close the schools a little bit earlier? Do you wish you had closed the restaurants and bars a little bit earlier just to stop the spread and maybe save some lives? You know, Willie, uh, we're all trying to make sense of something we've never dealt with before, uh, every single day. Um, look, this city, I gave the order to close the restaurants and bars. Uh, obviously, that was one of the, we were one of the first places to do it. Uh, I called for shelter in place. Uh, right after San Francisco did it, and I give them great credit, uh, Mayor Breed did something very important there. I called for it immediately after. We were one of the first places in the country to do that. Uh, there's always going to be questions about, you know, did we get all the information we needed? Did we act on it? I, I did my best. Everybody wants to point fingers. It's a fucking pandemic. We still would have got cases. Regardless of what we tried, we would have got cases. And I'm not saying people aren't without fault. I think the mayor of fucking New Orleans, I think de Blasio, I think they have some culpability for their current locations having so many cases. It was over the top, worrying about wokeness instead of the virus. But you know you got Brian Seltzer on the case. Trump is self-isolating on Fox News. The reigning conscious president wanted to reach bigger audience and go on today's show, Good Morning America. If you wanted to be heard on the global stage, he could have granted an interview to CNN. His decision to stay at Fox suggests he wants to shore up his base and avoid difficult questioning. He's turned down all interview requests with CNN. Considering CNN's open hostility, does anybody fucking blame him? Jessica, except he's holding daily pressers and your network won't even play it. They just won't play it. Neither will Chuck Todd. And I have said, I don't think that you should really listen to what he says. You should listen to what the experts say. I'm not actually sure, if you want to be honest, that we should carry that live. I think we should run snippets. I think we should do it afterwards and get the pertinent points to the American people because he's never, ever going to tell you the truth. And guess what he's going to do? If you ask a question that is a legitimate question, he, and if he doesn't like the question, he's going to say whether it's whether you're being mean or not or whatever he wants to call. He's going to say that is a mean, nasty question. Why? 
because he wants his base to think that the media is being mean to him and they're attacking him. It is all a plot. It is all orchestrated. And if you can't see it, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking at. So, you know, I, I, it's it's obvious. It's transparent to me. This has become those um, press briefings have become his new apprentice. They've become his new rallies, and he treats the press and the media as if he's talking to the people in his rallies. It's the same thing. It's no different. It's just that the audience is not there. Well, look, I, I understand the frustration with his messaging, um, but you know what? Too many dead people, yeah. and there's too much. I'm of not the frustrated. Don't get me wrong, right Chris. Now. I'm not frustrating. I'm just trying to point out the obvious. I'm just saying, pointing out the obvious, especially it. as a journalist, is not being political. If we don't do that, then we're not doing our duty as journalists to point that out. I'm that is you. part of our. That is our job to point that out. That's what I'm he, with that's you. Exactly look, what I hear doing. people saying, "You are not making something up." A lot of people are saying, "Oh, don't cover it. Don't cover when he says this." I'm not I saying don't cover censorship. it. I'm not saying don't cover it. That's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying play all of it. No, I get you. I know what you're saying. I'm saying something different. I'm saying play all of it. I want to hear everything he has to say. I want it all to be out there, and I want him to be held to account. Because this isn't BS politics right now. It's not about nicknames. It's not about what he can call another party. It's about people living and dying. And a lot of that is going to fall on the full of what is done and not done by this government. Okay, Chris, and yes, you got Fauci and Burks, but he's got I, to be held to I account. I get what you're saying. This matters. I get what you're saying. It does matter. And that's, the, okay, ask me a question. Any question. Uh, just a legitimate question. Ask me a question. How long do you think this lasts? Why would you ask me that question? How long this lasts? Why don't you ask me another question? A legitimate question. A nice question. You should ask me a question to be proud. You should be proud of this government. That is the stock answer. What does the American people get out of that? Not much. So, I think context it, matters. I think run it and, an run it and put like it that. in context. Run it afterwards, yeah. put it in context. That's all. But I'm they saying. get the context. Listen, to me, to me, look, I see it in the same way that my brother Andrew is being covered, okay? My brother Andrew has been the exact same governor for 12 years. He's been the exact same person yeah. for 60-plus years. Now, right. he's being covered differently. Why? Well, one is contrast with the president, he's telling two, the truth. because the time calls for a specific skill set that he happens to have. Same with this president. He is overwhelmed by this task. He lied to the American people about it. He's playing catch-up. He's starting to learn. They're seeing it all in real time. People are living and dying on the basis of this response. Exactly. And it is the best start now in. The White House coronavirus briefing is about to begin. But before we go to it, we want to note a few things. First of all, we know these briefings have a tendency to veer in a lot of different directions. Not all of them are informative or relevant in the midst of this crisis. So we will listen as the president talks, and we will make sure we're giving you a fact check and putting what he says in context on the other side. There are several questions that we have today that we are looking to get answered. You just heard a bunch of them on masks. Are we going to be wearing them? What does our summer look like? What's the situation on testing and the medical equipment? So those are the answers we're hoping to get. And obviously, what is the data that you use to make these decisions? If it veers too much off, we will break it. We will break off and come back here, but for the most part, we want to listen in to the information we hope he is bringing to all of us. Let's take a listen. Phil, it's patriotic duty. Every community is making fundamental changes to how we live, work, and interact each and every day, and I wouldn't be surprised to see this going on long into the future when this virus is gone and defeated. But while they're not doing the presser, 
They brought on the guy from the movie Contagion. Yeah. That, that's the screenwriter as an expert. When I was contemplating the movie and speaking to experts, the notion that, you know, the richest country in the world where we live would have a three-month head start on this and now finds itself as the sickest country in the world um, is something I would, have, I would have never thought to put in a screenplay, nor would I have contemplated um, the kind of response we've seen from the federal government in terms of testing or, you know, blaming other people. Um, and I certainly would have never thought that, you know, the president of this country would call uh, a pandemic like this a hoax. So, no, I, I would have never anticipated that. Dr. Brilliant, I, I talked to Bill Gates last week. It wasn't just them. Carl Quintanella from NBC. The screenwriter contagious. I never contemplated a federal response that was so ignorant, misguided, and full of dangerous information. I thought our leaders were sworn to protect us. I don't get to write this story this time. Contagion. Brian Seltzer retweeted this. BTS. Won't air White House briefings, but you'll promote a Hollywood screenwriter who's got TDS. A horror novelist. And actors, yeah. We're not sure why CNN thought that Sean Penn was qualified. Thousands of people are dying, millions are unemployed, and these jerk-offs are interviewing Hollywood screenwriters. This is all just a stupid game to these assholes who know their paychecks aren't in danger. Judge Apatow. I think Senator Majority Leader and all these politicians should be prosecuted when this is done for lies which cost thousands of deaths. He knows Trump's a con man who lied to everyone to delay bad news and that led to thousands of additional deaths. They're all murderers. Even Chuck Todd asked that question, and I held it out of our This is America, because he, when he interviewed Biden, Biden shirked back, but Chuck Todd, nope. He said, does he have blood on his hands? You know, your campaign put out your, in a critique of, of President Trump and says if he doesn't do these things, you know, he could, he could cost lives. Do you think there's already, do you think there is blood on the president's hands considering the slow response? Or is that too, too harsh of a criticism? I think that's a little too harsh. I think what's happening is the failure to, as I watched uh, a prelim to your show where someone said that, uh, made, made the phrase, used the phrase that uh, the president just thinks out loud. He should stop thinking out loud and start thinking deeply. He should start listening to the scientists before he speaks. He should listen to the health experts. He should listen to his economists. He should, for example, the United States Congress passed a significant piece of legislation to help deal with the incredible financial crunch that's going to affect working families and all families, the whole economy. So we should be right now thinking about how do we get those small business loans out the door? Because right now you're not banks. That's not the strong point of banks focusing on getting small business loans out that's for most of the employees you should be focusing on making sure we're in a situation where we're able to see to it that unemployment benefits can get to people what's the irs doing to get those twelve hundred dollar checks to people etc that's where the focus should be and it should be laser focus it's it's my theory they're locked in they're tired they're they're hungry because they're eating fucking spam so when it wasn't the whole Let's bring anybody on that'll bash Trump. They were still going after my pillow, but now at least my pillow can defend himself.
And I, 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 this my pillow guy. Everybody was attacking this my pillow guy. Here's my thought: If you're going to make fifty thousand masks and give them to doctors and nurses on the front lines in New York City, I'm fine with you going up. You can talk about Jesus. You can talk about like Muhammad. You can talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can talk about John Bon Jovi if you want to. If you're making fifty thousand masks. Uh, then, yeah, you go ahead, uh, say whatever you want to say, just get the mask to the people on the front line, and we as Americans should salute anybody doing that. I, I'm not making 50,000 masks. Yeah. I, if I had the capability to make 50,000 masks, I'd like to make 50,000 masks. I can't, that guy can, I salute him. Yeah, I actually had the same thought watching that. Is it unconventional and weird? Of course it is. It's President Trump. That horse left the barn about four right. years ago. But <laughs> if you're willing to stand yeah. up there, whether you're whether you're Ford or GE or MyPillow and you want to help in this effort, and if Mike Lindell, the founder of, of MyPillow, wants to take 75% of his manufacturing capability right now and make 50,000 masks, God bless them. We could live without the speech. We could live without all those CEOs getting up and plugging their companies. But if they're helping, if they're in the fight on this, I think the idea that you mock those people, of course he pops up, you recognize him from the ad, you go, what is the MyPillow guy doing here? If he wants to help, I'm all for it. Now I wrote something off the cuff, if I can read this. Okay. <laughs> God gave us grace on November 8, 2016. To change the course we were on, God had been taken out of our schools and lives. A nation had turned his back on God, and I encourage you to use this time at home to get to home to get back in the Word, read our Bibles, and spend time with our families. Our president gave us so much hope. Where just a few short months ago, we had the best economy, the lowest unemployment, and wages going up. It was amazing. With our great president, vice president, and this administration, and all the great people in this country praying daily, we will get through this and get back to a place that's stronger and safer than ever. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Mike. Please come on up. I did not know he was going to do that, but he's a friend of mine, and I, I do appreciate it. To make as many as 50,000 masks a day, plans to start distributing them across the country by this Friday. Well, joining us tonight is the CEO of one of those patriotic American companies, Mike Lindell. He's the inventor and CEO of My Pillow, a great American without uh, any reserve. Great to have you with us, Mike, and congratulations and thank you for what you and your your company are doing for particularly uh, the healthcare workers around this country who desperately need all of this personal protection equipment. Yeah, thanks, Lumina. You know we are. Uh... We didn't even hesitate. I've always been about helping people, and we've uh, and all my employees. We got it done in three days. Once I decided we were going all in, we've got uh, it's almost two hundred thousand square feet. I had three things going. I was doing my due diligence, which reached out to the, uh, the vice president and men of the administration office, and they told me where to go. They have a coalition to learn what the specs were of the mask I needed to make, and and we have uh, so the other employees were getting everything ready, and then the other ones were making it safe for our workers to come in every day, uh, where we check them at the door, make sure they're wearing gloves and masks, and and using hand sanitizers, and and uh, it's just. And, and then I got other companies involved too that have to do with my pill made here in the USA, and it's been it's just been a blessing from God to be able to be in a position even to pivot that quick. 
And you know, it's wonderful. And I, I, I you, you mentioned God. You've got the Bible uh, uh, writ large behind you. I suspect all around you, uh, people of faith do. Uh, I, I want to turn to Chris Hayes, uh, intrepid host on MSNBC. This is how he reacted to your appearance with the president and the other CEOs who are doing so much uh, to help this country uh, in this moment of crisis. Here is uh, Mr. Hayes. I personally can't help but feel these daily sessions are, are bad for the country, uh, even dangerous from a public health perspective. It seems crazy to me that everyone's still taking them when you got the my pillow guy uh, getting up there talking about reading the Bible. Wow. wow. The pillow guy reading uh, the I'll Bible. I'll tell you what, I heard, Jim, I heard Jim Akoska attack me, too, and he was 10 feet from me in the Rose Garden. This is just evil, Lou. This is evil. I, You know, I was talking to the president. I said, you know, Mr. President, you're doing these press conferences. I said, I've had friends of mine that are on the left. And here I showed him one of my texts. It says, Mike, you know I'm not a big fan of President Trump, but God bless him. He is doing an amazing job. I think he's turning me. These are the real people that are seeing now that this president has done the best man in charge for at such a time as this. It's just those newscasters, those journalists. from, And we know who they are. And I'm going to say at CNN what they did to me. I'm sorry. I put out a message of hope to the country that God had given us grace on, on November 8, 2016, for such a time where we had, a nation had turned his back on God. And we've got, and right now, we're part of this big revival. We can sit at home, and we can go there, get back in the Word with our Bibles, spend time with our families, and everybody pray that we have this great administration that can make some decisions to get us through this. And, you know, the, I, I just, I can't, I'm appalled by the journalists that, uh, that I see there. I used to think, you know, is that, are they really that evil? Well, yes, they are. It's, uh, you know, and it's so nice to hear words uh, spoken by a man of faith, uh, to hear your passion uh, for the uh, Lord's word. And I just, and I have to be honest, I am a, a petty sinner. I am just reveling in just thoughts about the left all across the country as they heard your words here tonight. I'm having a fit. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I've got some atonement uh, to do. Yeah, and I want to say something, too. I went to the White House for a roundtable event. I didn't know I'd be speaking out there. And they, and we were roundtable, and I, I was at the White House for five and a half hours, and I got to hear firsthand how, you know, like a, this governor, a Democrat governor, asked for help. And, and the help that he needed would have took eight months. Our president, he knows how to take shortcuts. You know what? We're going to do it in one day. He reached the FDA, boom, done, 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 done. And I told my friends, I said, you know what, it goes back to that old doctor thing. You do want the, the best doctor that you particularly don't like, that, that's the best surgeon in the world, or do you want a doctor you like, but he doesn't know how to do surgery? I mean, this is where we're at, and now people are finally seeing, by these press conferences, who our president is. His heart is to help our country, and, and you know you know him, Lou. One of the things he's got a gift is he takes a problem, he listens, takes in all the information, and, it, and he yep. comes up with a solution, but it may, he knows how it, he's, God's given him a gift that he knows what it's going to manifest to. And I tell you, I felt, I feel a lot more secure having been at the, had been at the, uh, White House and hearing all this stuff. 
I, I truly believe most Americans feel far, far more secure uh, having this president uh, in the White House uh, than they would any other American. I think that'll be yeah. tested again in November, and uh, I, I know that uh, uh, this president has a very good vision of the future, and I think uh, it's shared by most Americans as well. Mike Lindell, you're, you're great to be here. We appreciate it and look forward to seeing you here again soon. Thanks so much, Mike. Thanks for having me. God bless you all. God bless you. Thank you. They're still butthurt about my pillow. So he went to Twitter, and I was an honor to be part of the coronavirus briefing. And I know we had the QAnon out of order, but that was because they were searching to link him to conspiracy. So once again, it's supposed to be our last soundbite of the day, but it's the ugliest shit, and I just thought that was ugly. Tom Nichols, well, imagine my relief to the my pillow guys on the job. I'm mocking the entire circus of a White House press conference during a national emergency where the president of the freaking United States calls up my pillow. Ali Veshi, Trump just called the my pillow guy at the podium in the Rose Garden. You cannot make this stuff up. Pillow company founder Mike Lindell, who has donated more than two hundred thousand to Trump campaign. Blah blah. Aaron Rupar, my pillow guy, Mike Lindell says God gave us the grace. Sarah Jones, my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell says God put Trump in the White House. Uh, Mark Dice, your opinion is worth less than an empty milk carton. Ranning Monkey, the competition for dumbest tweet of the week has started strong. No dummies. It prevents the country from endorsing a national religion. It just doesn't prevent people from speaking about the religion. Because she went on and said separation of church and state. Because a guy got up there. Now, do we remember when Bird Doll... His dad got up there and went all fucking mullah. Me didn't have a problem with that. In fairness, it does say, in God we trust on the dollar bill. I hope it feels good bashing a patriot like Mike Mandel. My pillow's making a special absorbent mass so you can cry into it. Actually, this is a good example of First Amendment. No, it's not a violation of separation of church and state. Did it make you hiss? Did your head spin? Did you projectile vomit? Do you need a priest because you're a Satanist? Show me exactly where the Constitution says it. And this goes on. I'm not going to read it all. She ended up doing it. Apparently it is. One of Trump's 1A lawyers is telling me this is totally cool. Try it with Koran next and we'll see. That came from a journalist, Sarah Reese Jones. Greg Gutfeld. Hey, Goofy, my pillow guy is making 50,000 masks while this douche adds nothing to the world but his own self-satisfaction finger-sniffing. When you start producing 50,000 masks a day, you can go on the podium, too. In the meantime, sit on your fence and keep your thumb up your ass. Good for fucking him. I love me some Gutfeld. Mmm. Joel Bronhild, why is the my pillow guy at the Prince Conferencer? Oliver Dossi, CNN cuts away for the briefing when he invites my pillow. Sam Stone, I'm a proponent of TV carrying Trump presser, but allowing corporations. Kevin Roos, two days ago I tweeted this. Right now, Trump has a my pillow guy on. John Dossi, boy, do you sell those pillows? Trump said. Fucking gives him the microphone. Shane Goldmacher. Mike Lindell gave money to Trump. Rosie, my pillow. Fro Frontal, my pillow is now making highly absorbed pillows so you can cry yourself to sleep after watching the press conference. Aaron Rupa, he said God gave us truth or, or grace. Ram Ramacall, in case you're wondering what my pillow is doing at the time of coronavirus. Scott Dorkin, now Trump is having the my pillow guy. Mika Brzezinski, is that the my pillow guy? Nick Pop- Trump just had the My Pillow guy speak. 
Palmer report. Trump has a my pillow fuck face up there rumbling a bunch of bullshit. Why are CNN and MSDNC airing this garbage? Putting this shit on television. Sebastian Bach. Fuck the my pillow guy. Fuck you if you support my pillow guy. Fuck commercials. Fuck reality television. Fuck if you vote for this fucking being locked in our house. Fuck. HuffPost. Trump hands coronavirus briefing to my pillow guy. Who tells America to read the Bible. Jamie O'Grady. Oh, fucking kidding me. You fucking kidding me? He has a my pillow guy to sell his garbage product during a pandemic. Jerry Dunleavy, my pillow guy is making 10,000 surgical masks per day and is hoping to ramp that up to 50,000. He repurposed and is now making N95 masks. Sunny McSunny face. Manufacturer masks, that's the part you're missing by turning it off. It's very bad to give companies or open out attention, explain the very serious person, not at all, simply upset that the whole disaster isn't about exploiting the social health care. Sean Davis, the my pillow guy transformed his company and make masks, you fucking trolls. And all the people go on on and on and on, on and on, on and on, on and on, just losing their fucking shit. Chad Felix Green, sorry, SE Cup, but this is journalism industry. CNN, MSDNC, Daily Beast, and Late Night Comics are now all out attacking my pillow as they set up to make tens of thousands of masks for American frontline medical professionals in harm way. They have no shame. MSNBC. This was on MSNBC and NBC News. Trump fluffs my pillow and Rose Garden coronavirus talk. Yeah, fluffs. That's a blowjob, folks. That's a serious news agency. Carol Roth. Let me get this straight. People are ripping on companies like MyPillow for checks notes, stepping up to help with critical supplies during a crisis. You really are a bunch of ungrateful dicks. I don't care if you call upon God, Jesus, Moses, Allah, the spirit of Elizabeth Taylor, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or whatever else you want. We can use all the help we can get. Beetle coronavirus. You're the one who worships the spirit of Elizabeth Taylor, aren't you? By the way, I agree with everything you said. Her. Just covering all the bases. Oh, look. Ali Veshi tried to shame Carol. That's not the issue, Carol. It's that he's a big Trump donor and Fox advertiser. There are lots of factories retooling in the crisis, and he seemed to be getting an infomercial for no discernible reason. Carol Roth. We are in the worst crisis of my lifetime, and you're interested in fostering issues or solutions. If the latter, it'd be happy to join you on your show to highlight other businesses, including small biz, step up during this unprecedented time. He ran away like a little bitch. Here's the thing. They spend all their time dogging everything about the briefing. And not wanting to air it, liberal networks debate dropping Trump coronavirus briefing and call it misinformation. CNN actually did it. But then all the journalists are watching it so they can snipe from the house and dog the my pillow guy. 
I mean, seriously. If the briefing is hot garbage and you don't even air it, it's kind of like voting, folks. If you don't vote, then shut the fuck up when the president isn't the person you want. It's like the Antifa fucks from the West Coast who we find out afterwards didn't even vote. But they sure could burn down Portland. So why are you upset that he had the my pillow guy on? You're not even airing the briefing. CNN was so fucking petty this week. Whenever Trump went on the TV, they cut away and then they come back to whoever else is talking. Sorry, I'm taking my vitamins. I mean, really. So, in our last music break, we're going to play the ugly sound bites that are just as ugly as the blood on your hand. You're a bumper and we'll come in to close this fucker out, which still got a lot of information to put out, but it's our last break. Look, the president is in the same box all of us are in, Wolf. Uh, he cannot go out and have the rallies that he so loves. He cannot go out and campaign. Uh, and I don't say that to be snarky. Uh, this is uh, this is brand new territory for everybody. We are now in April of an election year. Uh, and Joe Biden is at home in Wilmington, Delaware. Bernie Sanders is debating whether to get out of the race. The president can't campaign. The president has every right to make political statements. Again, find a different way to do it. You know, there's an old thing called the Rose Garden strategy. If you're an incumbent president, this is one of the big advantages you get. You have all the assets, all the platforms, all the power of the presidency when you're an incumbent president. But to bring that in to a briefing in the middle of a pandemic, the day after the incredibly sobering news the administration rightfully delivered to the American people yesterday is just, it's shameless and it's political. And again, the president has other opportunities to do this. There are 24 hours in a day. He has all the buildings of the government still at his disposal. You know, he has the Rose Garden strategy. He has that advantage. Every incumbent does. So when he does these things, you know, the Trump haters will say he's using the presidency. Okay, Barack Obama used the presidency. Bill Clinton used the presidency. George W. Bush used the presidency when running for re-election. It happens all the time. But... This is different. This is a pandemic where the American people are being told 100,000, maybe 200,000 of our friends, our neighbors, our fellow citizens could perish in this pandemic. You cannot abuse a coronavirus task force briefing for other measures. At least I just I just there are ways for the president to make his point on every subject under the sun. He's the most powerful man in the world. He has all the platforms in the world. To do it at the regular scheduled briefing like this, and you can say at the top of the briefing, we're going to have other news. Just be honest about what you're doing. But this is what we got. Yeah, that's that's Vice President Mike Pence says we're on pace to match hard hit Italy and a growing number of Americans seem to appreciate that. A CBS News poll out this morning shows about half of Americans, 51 percent of us believe the outbreak will get worse in the next month. Only 28 percent think it will get better. In the latest CBS News poll, 83% of Americans say our top priority should be staying home to stop the spread of the virus. 17% said getting back to work to get the economy going is more important. Senator, um, I think that uh, regular information in times of crisis from the government on sort of 
the science and facts and policy are essential. But um, I personally can't help but feel these daily sessions are, are bad for the country, uh, even dangerous from a public health perspective. What, do you, what is your view? It's obviously above my pay grade. I don't make the call that we take them or not, but it seems crazy to me that everyone's still taking them when you got the my pillow guy uh, getting up there talking about reading the Bible. Also breaking four, joining GM in the race to produce enough ventilators while President Trump has now reversed himself and extended social distancing guidelines until the end of April. Our Jeff Bennett is at the White House. Tonight, just days after President Trump ordered General Motors to make ventilators under the Defense Production Act, Ford Motor announcing it's teaming up with GE Healthcare to produce 50,000 ventilators within the next 100 days, transforming a factory in Michigan to help meet the demand of hospitals around the country. All right, we're back now with our Dr. John Torres. John, the FDA just approved a coronavirus test that gives patients results in as fast as 5 to 15 minutes. How soon will this test be available? Lester, this new test is going to be rolled out in Detroit this week to be used for frontline healthcare workers who are among the most vulnerable. The test we've been using takes anywhere from hours to several days. This new test is portable and delivers results on the spot in less than 15 minutes. In addition to quickly testing healthcare workers, this will also be critical for airports, drive-throughs, even jails because once a person tests positive, they'll go into isolation immediately, decreasing the spread of this highly contagious virus. The manufacturer tells me they plan to deliver 50,000 tests a day. Lester? One of the things that was so unsettling last night uh, at the news conference was the way he once again treated Yumi Shalcindor, your colleague, our colleague and friend, who um, questions him with tough, accurate questions. She was trying to raise a question about what he had said to Sean Hannity about New York not needing 40,000 ventilators. He slammed her inaccurately, personally. She was dignified and persistent and completely accurate in her questioning. Um, this is sort of a repeated exercise there, and it, 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 it's troubling to people. Yamish is a good friend and colleague at PBS. She handled herself, as she always does, like a professional. And my advice to her publicly and privately and to any reporter who confronts people in power is to keep asking questions, particularly when people in power say they need you to act positively. It's not a, the job of a reporter to be positive or negative. It's the job of a reporter to be vigorous and at times tough when people are in crisis, when nations are, are looking for information, when people need journalism to be at its fully functioning best. And Yamiche Alcindor exemplified that in the Rose Garden. And as a member of the press, I salute her for continuing to just do her job. And that's what we're trying to do here is do our job. Thank you so much, Robert Costa. And it's exactly how we've seen the president back down on some of his earlier pronouncements after the press, the governors and the doctors have pushed back on it. Uh, Governor Cuomo, no matter what you thought of him before, whatever arguments you might have had before, is treating this with truth and straightforwardness. He's treating the citizens of New York as adults, people who can make their decisions based on the truth and understand the truth. The President of the United States, well, the cocktail of all his worst qualities, his mendaciousness, his, uh, his constant telling of lies, his narcissism, his lack of empathy for people in general, his obsession with the money classes, etc., has led to disaster. 
has led to delay. And this will be, and I think history will prove this, this will be something that's paid in human lives, and that's an enormous tragedy. Well, let me ask you about the future once we get past this and focus again on the economy. What do you think is going to be put in place and what could be a permanent change in the way that we do business here in this country? Will there be a restructuring or a, a boosting of the social safety net? Is this going to be a call for something more like universal health care, more like a, a single payer system to make sure that everybody is covered once these people start leaving the hospital and realize they have thousands of dollars in medical bills because they caught a virus they sure. didn't they didn't have a choice about um, is that going to be something that that should be considered what about um, uh, uh, plans for getting people back to work getting people back to work not in their regular jobs which might not be viable any longer but jobs that are green jobs working towards a more efficient greener economy on some nights uh, the president the president's contributions and others uh, they can turn into a much more free wheeling piece of, of politics or, or misinformation. The president today, for example, bringing up his views on impeachment, which really is not where anyone's head is at. Um, so, Congressman Lou, take a listen to the president here doing the, the negative side, which is when he gets into just defending the government rather than giving people the medical information they need. The question is, what would have happened if we did nothing? Because there was a group that said, let's just write it out. Let's write it out. What would have happened? And that number comes in at 1.5 to 1.6 million people, up to 2.2 and even beyond. So that's 2.2 million people would have died if we did nothing. We just carried on our life. Now, I don't think that would have been possible because you would have had people dying all over the place. This would not have been a normal life. How many people have even seen anybody die? You would have seen people dying on airplanes. You would have been seeing people dying in hotel lobbies. You would have seen death all over. Congressman. Uh, thank you, Ari. I had no idea what Donald Trump was talking about. No rational person was saying do nothing. In fact, everybody else was saying do a lot more than you already are doing. And I do agree that the job of the president is to give hope, but it's not to give false hope. And what right. ended up happening is in the early stages of this crisis, the president kept saying things that were false and misleading, and it led a lot of people to go and not social distance. It led a lot of people to take actions they shouldn't have. And without testing, it allowed this virus to continue to spread across America. And now we have the most number of cases in the world. We have more people that died now from this virus than 9-11. And we can't just look at this and say, let's just keep giving people hope. We have to give them the truth. And one other thing I want to add is when you look at these press conferences, if you were watching MSNBC, today would not have been surprising. If you watch Fox News, today's press conference may have been surprising to you because networks like Fox just kept giving false information, misleading information to many Americans, and they really should have apologized for what they did. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid. I wonder, when the five sounded the alarm on the virus back in January, what was Chuck's concern? We're fortunate to live in a country where free speech and the freedom of the press 
our constitutional rights, not privileges given to us by any one person or any government. It's a fundamental part of who we are as Americans. And during a time like this, when we as a state and nation are facing a crisis most of us have never experienced, few things are more important than having the facts and being informed. That's why today I'm asking you, if you're able, to support local journalism. Like many in business, trusted news organizations and local papers are being hit hard by this pandemic. Even as they're working long hours to keep us informed, many talented reporters and journalists are being let go across Vermont in the entire country. Listen, there are times I don't like the way a story comes out, but accountability and facts are so important, especially now. And you deserve transparency and the truth. And these news sources work hard every day to keep you up to date. So again, if you can, please consider buying your local paper or contributing to a Vermont news organization. We must all find ways to support each other through these times. And please know my team is working around the clock to find ways to ease the burden this epidemic is placing on families and businesses. And by the way, if you're ordering takeout from your local restaurant, give them an extra tip if you can. They're struggling too. I know we're going to get through this, not because of any one person or any one action, but because each of us is stepping up to do our part. We must stand united, and we must continue to be Vermont strong. Thanks for doing your part. Our media loves making it about themselves. Greg Gutfeld, the media matters is deliberately lying. He could have checked but didn't see my pinned tweet now and demand a retraction. And that was Gutfeld talking because media matters is working with the media to make it about Fox, make it about conservatives, make it about everything. And it's actually a lie. It's all a lie. They're trying to say their network sounded the alarm, but conservative networks didn't. And that's not true. Then you have the Yumichiel Cinder, the lady who spent all her time asking about Kung Flu. Video exchange of President today. My cue is a Trump saying that about governors Thursday. I've seen a lot of numbers that are being said in the areas are just bigger than they're going to be. I don't believe you need 40 to 30,000 ventilators, which is true because we found all the lies and bullshit. And well, let me just play this twat. And now, of course, he had to say, actually, we're probably not going to be able to get back and up and running until maybe June. So he's been telling people the the country, the churches should be packed um, by Easter Sunday. And today he had to admit, actually, I have to extend my my guidelines to April 30th. And, of course, my question was about the fact that he's been saying repeatedly that governors don't need the medical equipment that they're requesting, specifically saying that New York doesn't need 30 or 40,000 ventilators. And, of course, the president lashed out. And my message to people that have watched me is stay forward, stay focused, be steady, and continue to do the job that you were there to do. For me, it's to be a journalist and to hold presidents accountable, and that's what I did today. Jeremy gave you the mic so that you could ask your second question. Did that go better than the first round? That went a bit better than the first round, which was that the first time the president lashed out at me and took it personally that I was trying to hold him accountable by quoting his own words back to him. In this case, of course, I have to say thank you to Jeremy of CNN for giving me the opportunity to ask my second question. We know now that covering President Trump, sometimes it's like a team sport. We have to have each other's back in the press corps, and Jeremy had my back today, so I appreciate that. 
See, they're just making it by about themselves. They keep going on and on about, he's mean to me, but I got a job. It's a team sport. He lashes out. I mean, it's it's all about them. Uh, Stephen Miller, literally grocery store clerks are risking more than you are right now. S.E. Cup. When Trump attacks the media, he wants you to hate people like me. I'm fine with that. But the media is also thousands of reporters on the front lines of this crisis and others in war zone, refugees, firefighters, gar, gar, gar. It's sad when people get a good answer but are so angry they have to change the topic and completely uh, to feel like they're winning. And Stephen M. Miller, I'm not angry. You asked what reporters should be doing. I respond with start reporting China numbers accurately. It's interesting, however, you didn't reply with agree. Okay, here's what I say to my son when he's out of tricks to stay up late and I'm making sense. Night, night, love. Time to go to bed. You see how she talked to him? That's how they all talk. Listen, I've been banned by every one of them. And I've never been rude. I just said, why would you say that? That's not true. You're inflating. And they instantaneously just block you. He responds, S.E., why hasn't CNN addressed false number cases of Wuhan? Or WHO doctors hanging up on Taiwan? Or WHO saying it wasn't air-to-air? No questions. They don't want that. Because it's about them. It's about them. Daniel Dale. I have some friends that are unbelievably sick, Trump says. In one case, he's unconscious in a coma. And you say, how did that happen? This is the third Trump has spoken of his friend who's not been publicly identified. Wow, busted. Thanks for going to be intrepid journalists at CNN. Never going out of its way to not question Chicom's narrative, but won't let Donald Trump get away with not publicly identifying somebody. Eric Spencer, I know this is hard for doxing networks to understand, but maybe he just wants to protect his friend because of the way you treat people and you dox people. Chris Saliza, I'm now a proud owner of this sweatshirt. America needs journalists. RB Pundit, this shirt is accurate. America needs journalists. We don't have them right now. Which is so true. So true. Then we have the CBS. They're pissed that people don't take them seriously. ALX, during a pandemic, it's essential that media give us real and accurate information. It's completely irresponsible. CBS News used footage from an Italian hospital when talking about the outbreak in New York City. We reported it. While this might seem minor, it matters. Italy's coronavirus outbreak is among the most severe in the world. Their hospitals have been over capacity. That same situation is reflected in New York. And while it could get to that point, it's still not on us. This can incite unnecessary fear, blah, blah, blah. Shelby Talcott. CBS News tells me the misleading video showing an Italian hospital during a segment on New York coronavirus crisis was an editing error. No, it wasn't. It wasn't an editing error. You have an agenda. The agenda is to freak people out and make Trump look incompetent. Here's Jim Acosta. Because once again, they're not airing the briefing. But they're still there playing hacktivist. This may be an uncomfortable question. question. What would would the models have looked like that Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci showed us if we had started these social distancing guidelines sooner in February or January when China, South Korea were uh, doing those sorts of things. Well, I'm going to let them, I'm let them answer that. In yeah. terms of what information we're getting from them, from them. But if we had started these practices sooner, could these models be different? Right yeah, I'm going to let them answer you, but remember this. And again, I say it, and everybody says it. You know who says it better than anybody is Dr. Fauci. 
I had a decision to make. Maybe it was my biggest decision. China was heavily infected, and thousands and thousands of people were coming from China to the United States. And against the wishes, not even wishes, but they disagreed with the decision, I made a decision to stop China from coming in. Took a lot of heat, even from China. They weren't exactly happy. I just made a trade deal, a big one, $250 billion trade deal, and I'm shortly thereafter saying you can't come into our country. That was a big decision. That was earlier than the date you're talking about. So that was a big decision. That was probably, and by the way, not because I did it, that was probably the biggest decision we made so far. But if you look at the one graph, the problem New York has is New York started late, but the other ones didn't start so late. Now, New York is also more complicated because, you know, for obvious reasons. But it got a late start. But do you want to maybe answer those questions? I don't know if you can go back to slide two, because I wanted to explain two things um, that I think is really important, because we had a lot of questions about mortality and what it meant. Okay. So you see this confidence interval? So here's the line. This is the confidence interval. This is where we have the ability to push it down. So you have a large confidence interval around the line. And so we're trying to move that gray down tighter and below the dotted line. So I think that's really important. And then if you can go to the next slide. So we really can't answer your question until we can get antibody testing out there. Because what we can't tell you is in, and we can always do this. There's always samples in hospitals and other things. It's the way we really defined the HIV epidemic in the United States. We were able to go back to blood samples when we had the test and really find out where it was and what was going on. We really need to look in here and really see, was there virus significantly circulating in early March and in late February, and what did it look like, and where was it, and was it all in the metro areas? And I think that's what Dr. Fauci and I are very, very focused on, is getting serology testing out there to really figure out when it came um, and really have those samples to be able to do that. Um, Did you understand the, the painful part of my question? And, and please, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, we understand but, that but we can't answer it. Yeah. Saying, we if we had that. started this sooner, we might not have 100,000 to 200,000 Americans dying. Well, that makes an assumption that it was here. A lot, there was a lot back here that we didn't see. Um, and until we have the antibody test, I can't really answer that. Just to underscore what what Dr. Burks was saying. If there was no virus in the background, there was nothing to mitigate. If there was virus there that we didn't know about, then the answer to your question is probably yes. Now, the only trouble with that is that whenever you come out and say something like that, it always becomes almost a soundbite that gets taken out of context. But I think that's very important what Dr. Burks has said, is that if there was covert infections here that we didn't know about, and we didn't mitigate then, that they would have made a difference. If there was virtually nothing there, then there's nothing to mitigate. And I, I don't know the answer but to your question. But we were watching uh, yeah. South Korea, excuse me, in China and Italy, and we weren't taking right. action right. when those countries yeah. were right. spiking. Sure. In a perfect world, it would have been nice to know what was going on there. We didn't, but I believe, Jim, that we, we acted very, very early in that. If we had adequate testing, would we have known? 
I want to turn now to Jim Acosta. The press briefing just ended after going for uh, two hours and 11 minutes. Ended about uh, 40 minutes ago. Uh, Jim, uh, what stood out uh, out to you? Anderson, I, I will tell you, in the seven years I have covered the White House, uh, that is the most stunning uh, briefing that I've ever sat through, uh, to have public health officials come in and, and try to explain to the American people that they need to come to grips with the fact uh, or the very uh, strong likelihood that we're going to see 100 to 200,000 Americans die over the next couple of months from the coronavirus. Uh, I, I have to tell you, it, it was just downright chilling. Now, I, I will say, in terms of what the president was saying in the briefing room, this was President Trump changing his tune on the coronavirus. At one point, he said it's not the flu, it's vicious. Uh, that's after he has compared it to the coronavirus in the past. Uh, you mentioned just a few moments ago where he was uh, advising that Americans uh, perhaps start wearing scarves uh, because of these recommendations that are starting to come from people like Dr. Fauci that perhaps wearing masks in public might be a good idea. Uh, you know, at one point, the president said that we're about to enter a rough two-week period. Uh, this is just a stark contrast from what the president was saying a couple of weeks ago and how he's been describing this coronavirus all along. And so we were trying to poke and prod uh, in a number of areas uh, during that briefing, Anderson. I asked the president, why is he talking about holding back 10,000 ventilators? Uh, and as he was describing it, it's because they want to be able to uh, get those off to places in need over the next couple of months. You do get the sense, Anderson, that they are getting into a warlike posture and trying to attack this virus. Uh, but at the same time, Anderson, I think the question had to be asked, how is it that the president uh, is going to determine who gets these ventilators? And he at one point said during the briefing, that's something that he's going to be deciding, and that his task force is going to be deciding. So I think, Anderson, we're about to enter a period where this government, the administration, is going to be making some very uncomfortable choices about to how to care for Americans who are in very dire straits over the next couple of months. The other thing I think that needs to be pointed out, uh, at one point, the president, when I asked him, you know, could we have uh, mitigated this a lot better? Could we have reduced the number of people facing, uh, you know, the possible uh, likelihood that they may die over the next couple of months? And, you know, the president at one point said, well, you see what happens when you get off to a late start. He was pointing the finger at, at that point at New York State. Uh, in other areas that weren't really mitigating very strongly at first. But, Anderson, the same thing could be said of the president. He got off to a late start because of the way he was telling people uh, that this was going to go away, that this was going to miraculously disappear and so on. I tried to press the president on that uh, at, at a number of points, and he said, you know, when he was pressed on this, he said he simply wanted to keep people in good spirits, uh, yeah. that he didn't want to be somebody who was passing along bad news, and he wanted to be an optimist and so on. But I have to tell you, Anderson, I've never seen President Trump like this. I know people might say, well, I, you know, I can't, I can't ever trust him. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a phony and so on. People may say that. But, Anderson, I have to tell you, sitting in that room that close to him, I've never seen President Trump like this. And I think to some extent he is, he is scared right now, Anderson. And, I, and we could all feel that in the room. Well, Jim, let me ask you, what, what was very startling to me is, uh, you know, you have Governor Cuomo uh, this morning sort of expressing just, I don't know how to characterize it, uh, frustration, disgust, you know, uh, whatever it is that, you know, states are now being told, oh, you, you got to just find your own ventilators. So states are now bidding against each other. And then he says, then FEMA comes in uh, and bids against the states. And it's just a totally messed up system. It's driving the prices up. The president was asked about that. 
he uh, well, he went around and around on it, but he ultimately came down to saying, well, they shouldn't be doing that because you're just going to be bidding up the prices, which is exactly what Governor Cuomo said is happening. And the president said, well, the state shouldn't do that. They should call the White House and the White House would get the ventilators and then send it to the states. That is in stark. That's exactly the opposite of what President Trump said a while ago, which was, you know, it's not the federal government's job to, you know, to be sending out and supplying the states. The states are the ones who should go out, get ventilators and do stuff. Um, and then the federal government is a backup. That's right, Anderson. And I, and I don't think the president wanted to, I think, come to that reality that we have a situation right now in this country where governors are competing with one another for vital, life-saving medical equipment. And quite frankly, when the president says, well, we're going to keep 10,000 ventilators in a stockpile and, and send them off when they're needed in certain hotspots, uh, it may be too little too late. Uh, some of these hotspots may need many more than that. And so I tried to ask the question, you know, is that that part of the modeling is that part of the reason why they're saying 100,000 to 200,000 deaths uh, because we just don't have the equipment. We weren't ready. We weren't prepared as a nation. And you know, Dr. Burks came up to the lectern at one point. Dr. Fauci. I think Dr. Fauci came the closest to anybody in that room to acknowledging that had we been uh, more aggressive sooner, that perhaps we might have been able to lower this projection that was just grabbing us by the shirt collar in that room. Dr. Burks was essentially saying, well, uh, this virus even surprised her. I think there are just going to be so many lessons learned moving forward, Anderson, but the, the stark message that we got in that briefing room this evening is unmistakable. This country is about to go through a horrendous, terrible experience. And, yeah. I, and I have to tell you, people may not believe the president when he says any of this. And I've been, you and I have been, uh, you know, uh, pretty critical of him from time to time. Yeah. This was a different Donald Trump tonight. I think he gets it. He goes to Twitter next and goes, uh, Tom Elliott, breaking Monday morning QB makes better decision than game day QB. Despite White House claims that Trump and admin did everything right in response to coronavirus, sources close to the task force said tougher social distancing measures implemented earlier in pandemic could have blunted several of the crises. It might have made a difference, source tells us. Yet we're still playing the audio of all the Dems saying, go about your life, go to Chinatown, de Blasio. I mean, it was just a swipe. They're, they're going to literally Monday morning quarterback and just criticize him. Not everybody else, not, not the thousand in a warehouse that they didn't tell anybody about, that you know we knew New York had. All of these things, they're going to continue to do what they do and just hold conservatives responsible, but not the Democrats. I mean, I'm playing every podcast. It literally is not me searching. These come up in my Twitter feed, and it's liberal cities blowing it off. Just blowing it off. And they're making it about them. Look at me. I'm asking the tough questions. No, you're not. You're not asking, why did China lie? Why were the numbers wrong? Why are you still saying the numbers are right? Why is it that we, within the shortest period ever, came up with, and I'm not giving this to Trump, but our government came up with an accurate test really quick. Now they have ones you just to do at home. And China put out broken ones that people had to turn back. And you didn't report that on your air. 
You didn't tweet that, Jim Acosta. So him and the Al Cinder or whatever the fucker name is, I have it in our next uh, new social media nuggets. Namba and all these black news agencies are filing complaints and he's treating her horrible. None of you will report Jared Yates Sexton. The truth is almost too horrible to speak. Donald Trump damned hundreds of thousands of Americans to lonely, agonizing deaths away from their families, attended by exhausted, terrified medical staff who left to clothe themselves in garbage bags. That's all lies. We didn't think someone could fit every hot take about Trump and the coronavirus and the 280 characters, but he did it. And again, no medicine of China, World Health Organization saying what they did, xenophobic closing, closing the, gov- the borders, that was all in there. He writes at the muckrake, it has become a macabre ritual watching these press briefings for weeks now. Every afternoon they brought new horrors. A Trump arrives in the press room at the Rose Garden and delivers a discordant address after another. Some days they'll tell the country it's almost over. The cure is imminent. Then he'll say it would be country by Easter uh, for a resurrection. There's a God bash. The next he'll make an awkward corporate CEO say a few oddly chosen discomforting words. There isn't a mild way, that, mild way to put this. Donald Trump and the Republican Party damned hundreds of thousands of Americans to a lonely, agonizing death. Hundreds of thousands of living, breathing human beings are going to die in their homes, far away from the medical treatment, and else the overcrowded hospitals kept from comfort of their families attended to by exhausted, terrified, unsupported, overworked medical staffs, and none of it was necessary. Why am I reading this? He's a far-left loon. Well, the far-left loon... And every Loon website is putting this out. And I started our show with mainstream media saying the very words far-left liberals like Alex Jones on the right are saying, that's our news media right now. And all the while they're making it about, look at me, I'm saving the country, I'm more important right now than a nurse and a doctor. I am a journalist. America needs journalists. Pod save America. Another far left. January 1st, China tells Trump admin this is a horrific pandemic. January 20th, first American gets coronavirus. The time we lost waiting for him to realize what everyone was telling him is heartbreaking. That is so disingenuously wrong. It's such a lie. It was printed in the papers of the New York Times. It was out in November, which means it was out in October or September. We already had it in our country. We didn't even know it. Anybody who's smart knows that. Then we have Chris Cuomo, still going to the airs. Look at me. I'm awesome. Now, you you said, I don't know what he means. You know what he means. He's saying that somebody is stealing this PPE stuff or that something's being done with it that is wrong, which is the implication is I'm doing the right thing. I'm getting them the right things in New York. I don't know what they're doing with them. That's the implication. What's your response? My response is, first of all, if I say I I don't know what he means, you can't tell me that, yes, I do know what he means. You might think. What do you think he could could mean other than that? He could mean, I don't know. That's a very vague thing. It went out the back door. I don't know. What do you mean it went out the back door? What is it, a stray Uh, cat? It didn't go out the back door. He's saying somebody's taking I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the, the door. Well, maybe that's what he means, but I don't know. It's a very vague reference. You should ask the president. You know, he goes back and forth about whether or not you're good or bad. Right now, you're good. Poll numbers came out. He's very responsive to poll numbers. And they say you're popular now because of how you're doing this. So he weaponizes it and says, you know what he should do? 
He should run for president, this guy Cuomo. He'd be better than Biden, this guy Cuomo, but I'd beat him too. Let me ask you something. Uh, with all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Tell the audience. No. No. No, you won't answer? No, I answered. The answer is no. No, you're not question. thinking about Sometimes it? Sometimes it's one word. I said no. Have no. you thought about it? No. Are you open to thinking about it? No. Might you think about it at some point? No. How can you know what you might think about at some point right now? Because I know what I might think about and what I won't think about. But you're a great interviewer, by the way. Appreciate it. Learn from the best. The point is this. Thank what do you think of you. him trying to play you against Biden? That's what's going on here. He's trying to say Joe Biden is weak. Look, even Cuomo is stronger than he is, and he's not even running. What's your response? Uh, again, that's your interpretation of uh, what do you think the president was Only questions they have, are you going to run for president? Is Trump the devil? Working for home, put the big statement out. He's he's a firefighter. Yeah. Who we are. Chris Cuomo tests positive for COVID. The entire world that was conservative said positive things. I literally tweeted that guy and said, though you hate everything about me and my wife, from where we live to our beliefs, to our religion, as hard as you hate us, we'll pray for your recovery. CNN? Putting it out like he's God's gift. Trump-connected lobby gets laundry machine company deemed essential. Media criticize. Media criticize it. Yeah. <clears throat> so here is a thread from um, Britt Hume about our media. Aaron Rupar, the MyPillow guy, says, God gave us grace in November 2016 to change the course we are on. God has been taken back to our schools and lives. Nation has turned it back on God. I encourage you to use this time to read the Bible. Just like a firefighter rushing into burning building, Ali Veshi. Lost it. The best part of the media is shitting on a private sector CEO. You know that if Mike Lindell was speaking in our president, our president Hillary Clinton presser, the same clowns would be singing my pillow praises. It's all orange man bad for press now. That's their only move. That's all they have. To be fair, it's all they've ever had. It just seems even more annoying right now as millions of people fear for their lives. Jim DeContinella, fun fact, the only part of the Constitution that God-haters give a shit about comes from Thomas Jefferson letter, not the actual wording or meaning of the Constitution. And that was the Sarah Reese Jones. Breaking news, the Kennedy Center needs a multi-million dollar taxpayer bailout, but only because it can cure, it can cure the coronavirus, so it was totally worth it. And original Pachaca. Why did Mike Lindell of my pillow do the more important thing and donate to the Kennedy Center? The Kennedy Center, who went to lay off their musicians after securing $25 million from Nancy Pelosi. Good question. Jim D. Cottonell again. Shorter Larry Tribe impeached Trump for being not psychic. Trump is responsible for the lost month of tragic results that are now too late to avoid. In just a world, he'd be, in a just world, he'd be held accountable. He needs to be resigned or impeached. 
Jim Continental. Again, you can tell that's true because the entire left to center blue check media folks haven't been a- having an all day pants shitting freak out about Mike Lindell speaking at the White House. Devin Nunes. I don't think center left a political people really care about born again crackhead as about, as they say about it. It's, I'm a constitutional scholar. I binge watched season five of Law and Order. Another Sarah Reese Jones. I'm getting defending my, my pillow advocating for Christian Bible for Rose Garden suggested even legal experts who support Trump are unable to think clearly around the dear leader. That's Sarah Reese Jones. Continental again. Look, I know what I'm talking about with the Constitution. I even rewatched season two of Law and Order, SVU, for my podcast when Olivia had the really scary bad haircut and Stabler was really mean to the criminals. It was a struggle for me. She went on again. You're parsing words. He advocated for religion as the official government event, a government property for the American people. Getting douchey after a businessman trying to help fight the coronavirus pandemic is a weird flex. But you do you, sports ball guy. Darren Roval, my pillow, a former crack addict turned evangelicist, turning entrepreneur turned philanthropist, garnered $1.4 million in equivalent advertising for his appearance on Trump press briefing today. Here's the problem. Everybody's stepping up. You dog him. From Robert Kraft, it doesn't matter. You dog him. Cottonella again. Guys, stop bothering brave journalist Joy Reeves with the news. Joy Reed. So my Tiger King binge was interrupted by a text saying the CEO of my pillow is now part of the presidential briefing. Please tell me this is a f- prank. Ellipses the Burma vision of the emoji he tweets. B.W. Carlin. Trump actually invited the my pillow guy on stage at a coronavirus text brief and he's smacking again. They're all into smacking. Here's Joy Reid, just for shits and grins. Now, on this show yesterday, constitutional law professor Lawrence Tribe of Harvard University confirmed what we suspected all along, that Cuomo was right and Trump had no constitutional authority to claim he could quarantine whole states. And right on cue, Trump almost immediately backed down, tweeting that he has advised the CDC to issue a travel warning, but that he had determined a quarantine will, quote, not be necessary. Not necessary? Man, try not legally possible, but go off, apprentice guy, go off. Of course, it's hardly news that Trump has always had designs on reigning as a monarch with unlimited power rather than serving as a mere president in a democracy. But with the country facing an unprecedented public health crisis, what lengths might he, backed by an attorney general whose writings and actions point to a fundamental belief in an all-powerful presidency, at least when the would-be king is a Republican, what lengths might Trump go to to expand his power under the guise of national security? Did you catch it, boys and girls? They're bashing him on one side for being a dictator and wanting to actual shut borders down because now New York's out of fucking control. There's so many cases. And then they're asking in the briefing, why didn't you be more of a dictator? I mean, you even got Seth Abramson. When Russian President Vladimir Putin wants to bring only good coronavirus news to his people and can't, he shuts up completely, at least on coronavirus. That's terrible leadership. But it's far better than what Trump does. This dude was the major Russia, Russia, Russia. And New York Times ran. Vladimir Putin has been curiously absent on much of Russia's response to coronavirus. He wants to bring only good news. These are the people that said he's Russia, Russia bad. Now Russian president better. 
Yeah. April Ryan. White House Journal April Ryan, who can actually be categorized as one of the resistance reporters in D.C., helped give the hashtag a boost of the question. Number three trending topic in America, boycott Trump press conferences on Twitter. Do you find real Donald Trump press conferences about coronavirus effective or ineffective? Useful info on this, on his, or his new rally. Should TV networks continue to air? Chris Toto, this is journalist. This is what a journalist is. Others. Now is not the time for petty journalism. How is boycotting the press conference going to help with the crisis? The crisis is unprecedented, and some of the media keep trying to make the story about the need to minimize administration at every turn. April Ryan, stop trying to manufacture news. It's not news. It's theater, and it should be beneath you. It's beneath journalism, and not very star- smart. Oliver Darcy. To summarize, amid a global pandemic, thousands of Americans Trump disparaged CNN, New York Times, PBS, and his press conference while saving his praise for a fringe cable channel that peddled right-wing conspiracy theories. He's obsessed with Fox. They kicked own out now, but the president said, you can come back in, go fuck yourself. To summarize, Oliver and his CNN buddies continue to try and make the story about themselves by playing the victim every time they try to bait Trump and he makes them look ridiculously sad on TV. And people love it. I mean, you go online and all you see is people going, that was awesome. Good for the president. And I'm seeing it out of people that aren't conservatives because their questions are fucking moronic. It's just gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It doesn't bring anything to the table. And all the while, well, let me get what James Wood said. Your work for the you work for a net for network that featured Michael Avanti fifty nine times in two months. CNN fake news and CNN just cut away from American-owned COs telling the American people they'd be making masks, not even MSDNC cutaway. He then led me to this, MSNBC. China will report asymptomatic cases in its official daily tally, finally. So they, all along, weren't even reporting all cases. And the presser just keeps on being their focus. We want to be there so we can spotlight. We just criticized him for not having daily pressers. Now he has the pressers. Now we don't want him to have the presser because his polls keep going up. It's just comedic. This is this is a president who relishes news media coverage more than any president that I've ever witnessed. Uh, he right. is a, a president who know, he knows all of us. Uh, he knows all of us personally mm-hmm. in some cases. As you said, he's very charming uh, away from the camera, sometimes charming in front of the camera. Um, but we are the villains in the Trump show, uh, and, and his supporters right. love it. Jonathan, um, let's now look at these press briefings and you know we are at the point where the washington post i think keeps a a running tally on the president's lies and we have seen many times the president deliver incorrect information during these briefings and also work to you know give coverage in the podium to people that he wants to amplify in a branding type of way so how do we cover these is the is the choice as stark as not to take the president's press briefings live which i actually think would be a mistake or is the answer to live fact check them 
Well, I think there are two questions. One is, do we carry them live, and, and how do we actually mm -hmm. cover them? Uh, in terms of carrying them live, I think there's a legitimate debate about that. You know, you, you've got to cover these things. They're incredibly important. But you're right. There, there's been a, there's been an avalanche of misstatements, um, exaggerations, uh, incorrect uh, information that has come out, and it's got to be fact checked. It's got to be yeah. fact checked in in real time, I believe. And there and there are different kinds of misstatements here, uh, Mika. I mean, you know, if if the president is 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 talking about uh, how great he handled things back in January and February, I mean. That's one kind of fact check. To me, that's like a little less relevant. I mean, that's like a political question. It may be important going forward. But people want to know what's happening now. Um, are we going to be in a position to be crowding into churches on Easter? Well, no. And he, and he backtracked from that very quickly. I mean, they just, they're just obsessed. As stated, CNN went out of its way to cut out any coverage of Trump's speech on the daily briefing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, only devoted to other people speaking. Scott Dworkin, total libtard. Trump's press conference started and CNN isn't showing it. Thank you, CNN, for not airing Trump's propaganda briefing. Uh, this is Kavian Shroff. Trump's propaganda briefing and only showing the portions from experts and doctors. Other networks need to follow suit. It will save lives. Brad Beauregard, thank you, CNN, for not airing Trump's lies. Palmer Report, CNN refused to put Donald Trump on the air today. The minute Trump stopped speaking and one of the doctors started speaking, CNN began airing Trump's platform for misinformation. Jane Ponowizik, these are all journalists. CNN not carrying Trump's briefing live, good for them. No one stopping them from covering, verifying, reporting news out of it. There it is. MSDNC and Fox, only CBS broadcasts. Nets in New York City. John R. Satin, CNN didn't air Trump doing his one-man circle jerk, but did cut back the briefing for actual experts. Experts, That's interesting work around for the pro problem of broadcasting dangerous lies and propaganda. Charles Johnson, interesting, CNN didn't show Trump thing, things dim-witted, babbling and boasting, but they cut back in when experts started. What does it say about a network? How petty are you? And how can you say he's not putting shit out, he's not doing a briefing, now he's doing it, you don't like it? How can you blame him for everything if you don't have him going up there and saying things that you can criticize? China. You didn't report this, CNN. China concealed extent of virus outbreak. U.S. intelligence say this was only online. Only Jennifer Jacobs, China has concealed the extent of the coronavirus outbreak in the country under reporting of both total cases and deaths that suffered from the disease. The U.S. intelligence community concluded in a classified report to the White House. The officials asked not to be identified because the report is secret and they declined to detail its contents with a thrust. They said it's China public reporting on cases and deaths is intentionally incomplete, as we already knew. Other articles, CNN bashed Trump for saying the same thing about coronavirus death percentage that they're now per reporting. CNN's journalist bashed Trump for saying on March 4th the death rate of novel coronavirus is likely much lower than data indicates, but the network published a report Monday evening that backs up what he said, because it is lower. Jim Scuto, Trump was misled before. He has not until now done so during a health crisis. Will federal institutions such as CDC, Congress, and friend, friendly media challenge him? Oh, it's terrible. And then they came back and said, point 
0.66 is a death rate. It's not accurate. And why? Once again, the polls are at 60 battleground states. 89% approval for extended social distancing and his conduct during this. So thus the media must continue, continue, continue to blame him because they're trying to knock him off. Medea Hassan, he's from Al Jazeera. The coronavirus death toll in the U.S. has now crossed 3,000, which means it has surpassed 9-11. This is an Arab under another reckless GOP president. And also, perhaps more relevantly, the Hurricane Maria death toll in Puerto Rico, also a Trump irresponsible watch. Matt Whitlock, this is a horrible take. And all the while, remember, we get told when Trump says stuff, and Trump says stuff, you know, he, he gets up on the podium and talks. My white nationalists start flying out of trees. It's out of control. Disturbing and disgusting lefty blue checks, deranged death wishes for Trump unleashes a flood of liberal ugliness. Benjamin Dreyer is, according to his Twitter bio, a copy editor. When he fails to mention is that he's also a terrible person. When he dies, I hope it's public. March 29, 2020. It was not taken down. Imagine the ratings. Jody Polcut, a journalist. It could be an annual holiday staple like the Wizard of Oz. Benjamin Dreyer again. Heather, this is disturbing and disgusting. The comments are worst. Here's just a taste. The ratings would be great. Dan Stapleton. Please, please, please. Jen, Jean Onfrui. Rick. And that, his final avoiding of waste is caught on camera live. Jane's got bun. Better shit his pants. I know we can see it. Sally Man Romano. I'm only staying alive for the perp walk. I hope it involves lottery and public stoning. I would sell my house to be able to kick him in the balls just once. I hope his death is humiliating, emasculating, and brutal. The guillotine unavoidably comes to line. Mind, they even tweeted pictures of guillotines. Grace Gorman, firing squads. Obviously, Marco Bianco. The kid choking to death in Game of Thrones. FG, the Fred Good. I'd be fine with a long, slow, debilitating Alzheimer, cluelessly confession to everything he's done in public and screeching out insanity over Twitter in his final days. He goes down in flames like a tyrant. Sarah Archer, let's have a tea party when it happens. I just hope it's soon, and soon and great, disgracefully. I hope he's afraid alone in agonizing pain. From your lips to God, Sander Ann Miller. I have an entire scenario I fantasize about since he was sworn in. It's televised, it's humiliating, and he's completely cognizant of every second of it. I'm Buddhist. I know how this affects my karma, and I'm fine with it. At Miss Miller. Kid confusion. If absolutely everything you believe about him is true, and I'm not saying that it isn't, this makes you even worse human being than him. 
Jesus, what a horrible person Ben is. B.C. Dreyer. Petite Nikoko. I guess he deleted the tweet because it went viral. The people on this Medit- med editor. He's an editor on Mediate. We cannot survive another four years of this pajama drummery. Yeah, that's um, I, I'm I am just I sometimes I'm just shocked. Because none of this would be okay under Obama. It would be racist. You'd be a racist fucking piece of shit. And it's just there. I mean... And then our last. We continue to believe that there are thoughtful atheists out there who have considered it a good thing that so many billion of people around the globe have found comfort in their belief in God, but they're an awful quiet bunch. Instead, we usually only get the loudmouth types like Richard Dawkins and his less eloquent disciples who have made heady arguments along the lines, you prayed for this and it didn't happen, therefore there is no God. Ali A. Rizvi is the author of The Atheist Muslim. We've had, we haven't read it, so we're not sure what, where to put the emphasis on atheist or Muslim. But we do know where he lands on the douchebag scale. Here he is presenting a chart of COVID-19 deaths in the United States with a handy annotation of the National Day of Prayer. Ali A. Rizvi, A-L-I-M-J-A-D-R-I-Z-V-I, just saying. Total COVID deaths in the United States. Trump, National Day of Prayer, and he put a cross there. And, of course, it's increased post. No. The National Day of Prayer was a response for what we already knew was coming, that we asked God to be with us during the hard times ahead. You're an absolute ghoul, just saying. Sebastian Muner, you can be proud atheists and not be a jerk dunking on believers. Ali Razivi, not dunking on believers, dunking on belief. You fight the cancer, not cancer patients. There's a reason why atheists are universally hated. Back off coronavirus. Thank you for announcing your status as ghoul. This will make it easier to ignore you in the future. I'm an atheist, but I respect people enough not to put not to disrespect their faith, especially during a time like this. Ali is evil, and it goes on and on and on. But then there's his followers. Do you really think that prayer is intended to magically kill a virus? Your God isn't real. Pray to your imaginary God. Trump is killing you. That's pretty much a good way to sum up what this is making people do and think and act like. It's almost sad. Because I know for me, 
faith, even though I'm not a big practicing Christian, I, I don't go to church, at least it gives you something. And maybe that's the problem with the left. When times get hard and you get scared, you don't know where to go. <clears throat> so you just lash out irrationally. And even though the back end of this podcast is a little disconjointed, I mean, where else can you guys go, man? You've dogged my pillow. You just dog everything just because you're scared. And I got it. If I lived in New York, hell, I'm, I went yesterday to go to the hospital and get medicine. And I wore a mask and gloves. And I got there and everybody was straight. I got there an hour early and I was still number four. And it was stretched out. And they only brought five people in at a time when they did open. And they made you decon whether you're wearing gloves or not. And if you had a new prescription, which I did with two refills, you only got to fill out a piece of paper and they weren't going to give you shit. You're going to have to come back in two to three hours and renegotiate the line. And the line was up to about a 100 people when I left. Spread out down this building and around the parking lot. And I walked in. I never got touched. They didn't even touch my ID card. I got my prescriptions. And I had a decon before I left the building. And then I went to a Kroger where everybody was wearing masks. And I'm in a state that now has 36... Well, we're going to do the numbers in a second. 36 cases. It's not even big. So I got it. It would be scary. It probably is very scary if you live in New York where it's really out of control. But to blame Christians to hope for Southerners to die, I mean, really? And to literally pretzel yourself into the many different ways you're going to criticize Trump and Blame him and say he's not doing enough and then he's doing too much. And Jesus Christ, we played he didn't do enough and then we played he's a fucking dictator. So, you guys really got to figure it out. To the cases. And then we're going to do fun stuff and do some reviews on some TV shows and call it a podcast. As of 10.30, or 10.22, April 4th, 2020. 290,920 cases, 7,844 deaths, 14,348 have recovered, which is really good. New York City has 113,704 cases, 10,228 new, and of our deaths, they have half the deaths, 35 65. New Jersey, 29,895. They lost, New York lost 347 people last night, which is incredibly sad. Michigan, 12,744. And understand, when I did my numbers to counter the left-right thing, I used states that Trump won that aren't liberal, like Wisconsin. Michigan. California is now number four. They've jumped to 12,581. They've lost 285 people. Florida has 11,000. Massachusetts, 10,400. Louisiana, 10,297. Illinois, 8,900. Pennsylvania, 
84-20. Washington, 84. Washington, uh, Pennsylvania, 84. Washington, 69-66. Texas, 6,094. Um, Georgia, 59-67. Connecticut, 59-14. Colorado, uh, 41-73. Indiana, 39-53. Ohio, 33-12. And Tennessee has 31-94. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We've actually gone down three places since the last podcast. Uh, worst cities were um, 347 deaths in New York overnight, 21 in Florida, 14 in Indiana, 11 in Maryland. Um, Oregon, where my bro and my uh, parents live. I think you jumped up some. Oregon's got 899 now. No deaths. And my sis in Colorado already read it. 4173. In the state I live in, um, still, when you break it down by county, the rural areas have very few. Let me see. Where is the uh, country, county cases? My county that I live in has 41 cases, 584 tests, no deaths. So we've gone up another five over the last two days. But Maury County, Robinson, Williamson, Knox County has 966. The big urban centers still are where it's at. Then to go over the uh, stat I talk or the new website I talked about, Unacast, U-N-A-C-A-S-T dot com. They have a COVID nineteen scorecard, and once again, um, this is based off of Google information. The United States has a D. And the way they do it, a uh, decrease in average mobility, 25 to 40%, 50 to 60%. We're at D. Uh, the best states right now are District of Columbia, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, California, Colorado's got a C. Um, Oregon's got a D. Tennessee's got a D. Um, and it goes down. You can even look up your county. So for me, in the state of Tennessee, uh, the worst counties to be in right now, Stewart County's got an F, and that's where I go to the lake. And that's why they're getting that. So many people are going out to the lake, but they still don't have a single case. Well, I guess I didn't look it up. They don't have a single case of COVID as of yesterday. They didn't have one. Let me make sure I'm correct on that. Uh, Stewart County at zero. They've had 48 tests, but nobody has it. Um, my county, we just did. Oh, uh, we improved. Well, maybe we didn't. Where's Montgomery? We're a D. We went up. So they invoked uh, 
a stay-at-home order. Even though only have 41 cases, but they saw that there was too much movement. So, because of this, Bill Lee did invoke the um, stay-at-home order, which we had we did not have here in Tennessee. So he invoked it, and it did show improvement. But I don't think most of the movement around where I'm at, are, it's still people going to work, still people going grocery shopping. Um, I know when I, like I said, I went to Kroger, there wasn't a lot of people in there, but they were just getting their shit and leaving. I broke a sweat. I mean, I, I went into the Kroger, and I had to go to Walmart to get flour and yeast because my wife wanted to make cinnamon rolls, and... They, they were out Kroger. There was no flour, period. Um, but most people, are they're on their business and they're just, they're moving. They're not fucking around. So that's a good thing. So pretty ugly podcast. Let's do some fun shit. The first thing, I accidentally bought this because I thought you it was pre-buying like it was in a theater. Bad Boys for Life. Uh, Bad Boys 3. This was the best episode of bad boys. Even the Batmobile don't hold the road like this bitch. Tight pants and fast cars don't make you Batman, Mike. Get me the fuck out of this car. Mike, we got more time behind us than in front. Man, please. I'm going to be running down criminals till I'm 100. Not me. I'm retired. What happened to Bad Boys for Life? It's time we be good men. It's Bad Boys for Life. Who the fuck? Fuck wants to sing that song. Mike, I'm putting you on a new team. You're working with Ammo now. Cap, Ammo is a high school musical boy band with guns. You look great, Grandpa. So you're that guy. There's always one. Right up till there's not. That's what I like. Teamwork. I'm the definition of half man, Somebody's trying to kill me. Who wants to kill you? I don't trust a person that don't want to kill him. Hell, put my name up there. Thanks a lot. We got it, Marcus. We appreciate it. But family is the only thing that matters. So I'm not letting you go on a suicide mission alone. One last time. One last time. Oh, this is my wife's car. Cover the front door. 
She knows. She always knows. It was the funniest version, I think, by far. The plot was great. You definitely had some, you know, cliffhangers. I'm not going to do a, you know, I don't want to ruin it, so I won't do a spoiler on this, but it was really, really, really good. And if you're thinking about it or you're wondering, hey, should we do this? Because it is number three and it's been 17 years since a bad boy. I'm telling you, go with it. Great, great movie. Um, haven't laughed that long, hard in a long time. I'm then going to do the next two back-to-back for editing purposes. It's the trailer for 1917 and the trailer for Rambo Part 95. In your own time, gentlemen. Must be something big if the channel's here. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. gentlemen must be something big if the channel's here you have a brother in the second battalion yes sir they're walking into a trap your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack if you fail it will be a massacre we've got orders to cross here that is the german front line if we're not clever about this no one will get to your brother I will.
I watched uh, 1917 just because I wanted to see the single shot, which is very interesting because movies aren't shot that way. But you have one camera following everything. Story was great. Flows well. Good action. My wife liked it. And it's a war movie, so that says everything. And I've already done a review on Rambo 75, but I tell you, I think that was a good show. I got canned because everything right now that's covering... Mexico, for what it is, is xenophobic, and that's how all the reviews came out. Xenophobic, uh, anti-Mexican, blah, blah, blah. I I thought it was a good action movie. Sylvester looks incredibly old. Um, 
worse than Arnold. I mean, he's really old, uh, surprisingly old. So uh, definitely worth watching both. Series we watched, or the wife started and I finished, uh, it's four episodes and I saw two and a half of it. Um, wow, I remember this case briefly. Wasn't big in the news. Um, how to fix a drug scandal. Here's the trailer. I was smoking at the lab, smoking at home. I actually smoked in the evidence room. I was totally controlled by my addiction. At these drug labs, a single chemist can do thousands of cases a year. It wasn't really clear the extent to which things had gone wrong. She didn't realize how many people it would harm. And it turns out it's not just one, but two chemists. This was one of the biggest miscarriages of justice in the history of Massachusetts. All these convictions needed to be wiped away. We are investigating somebody who's tampered with evidence. The scope of this could be very large. It's amazing the ripple effect of a single person's act. These allegations do not implicate any system-wide practices. How do you come out and make a statement that no one's been wrongfully convicted? How do you know? You just assume they're doing their job unless you're told otherwise. This isn't just a scandal about bad science. It is a scandal about bad law. The whole idea was to keep this as small as possible. Billions of dollars flood into this system to perpetuate this war on drugs. And maybe I found the smoking gun in this whole sordid tale. Was she part of a bigger problem? She took the drugs. Anything that she touched should be tossed out. Liquid meth raises the intensity at which you feel alive. It made me feel more alert. It gave me the pep I was looking for. job isn't to contain it, it's to figure out how are we going to do justice. This was huge. If you're not aware of it, two drug techs in the state of Massachusetts were using. And they had a, they basically had to throw out 35,000 cases. People that did do things wrong got released. Um, the main character is a, a guy you've seen on MSDNC. He's one of those justice people, um, that goes for, you know, all the cases that the justice system's a bunch of racist motherfuckers. Well, the guy who got out was a Cuban refugee, and he died a month after he got out of prison. Um, he literally, he literally was still using, and he was busted for drugs, and the only reason why he got off was the fact that he did have a test. It was a test. He had cocaine or heroin, and I can't remember, but the lady used it. So basically, they threw the case out, and the lawyer himself said maybe he should have finished his time, and I'm thinking maybe he should have, because he died right after he got out of prison, and that's pretty freaking, pretty sad. So definitely need to watch it uh, for political purposes, remember... Everybody involved is a Democrat. You would never hear the end of this. But because they're Democrats, this case just went the fuck away. The Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General, 
who rigged it so that the information that broke the case wasn't even given to the defense attorneys or anybody. Nothing happened to them. In fact, the two techs, one got three years, one got 18 months. But it was a Democrat-run everything, and they walked. They literally did a miscarriage of justice. They did not. They suppressed evidence. They knew it. I mean, email chains came out with them literally saying they hated the guy, and they didn't work with him, and he was right. Uh, They knew she was using, and she was in rehab, but just like you've seen on Law and Order and every other show, they didn't want to release this because if they did, well, uh, all these cases are going to get overturned. So they just buried it. Uh, state police were involved, everybody. But I think the most depressing thing, and what I told my wife at the end, if it was like the state of Tennessee, where they're all Republicans, CNN would have had a field day on this. And, you know... All I remember is some cases got overturned in Massachusetts. It was a byline. Per norm, there was no Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. They didn't say anything. So, that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends and send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. So it is Saturday the 4th. Let's shoot for a uh, 8 April year of our Lord 2020. And by then, I hope I can do a news of social media nuggets. I mean, there is no college because colleges aren't in session. There was some gay shit, a little bit of uh, everything is racist, and that was the, and I don't even know her name, I'm spelling it wrong, Alcinder lady from PBS, who's now a star because she makes it about herself, um, but there really wasn't a whole lot of detail, so hopefully can do it, and hopefully some more reviews, um, kind of blew our wad this weekend watching so many movies, I don't know what the hell we're going to watch. Uh, the wife is upstairs, and she said, take your time, because I think she's into some foreign programs that I'm not into, but there's really not a lot to watch. We will do a fishing trip, so I'll remark on that. Um, I do know, uh, one thing I forgot to say earlier, in our area, they have closed off everything but food. Food and medicine. So in our local Walmart, the pictures got out last night where they've roped it off, and you can't go in it. So that's probably good. Um should just be food, dip, alcohol. You know, they're not going to close alcohol because probably be good to have a bunch of drunk people. So make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Do some damn research on this shit. Don't believe the media. Please, for the love of God, don't. I've been researching a lot of shit. And I, you know, when everything was, it's not a, it is a, Trump said, blah. Yeah, I'm taking it serious, but. Once again, there are different strains. People are getting a strain and they're not dying, and there's a strain that people are getting. So since you can't really pick out what strain you're going to get, probably best is to stay home, watch some TV, and spend time with your family. Um, it's quality time. This is something they're going to tell their kids about because this is going to turn into the uh, swine flu or what was it? Spanish flu. Um, interesting Facebook meme, and I'm not closing the show like I should, was a decree in a local paper in 1918, we are closing everything. 
in November 1918. And the wife and I went to a cemetery where there was lined up kids 10 and under, all dying between 1918 and 1920, which is when the Spanish flu was hitting America. So <clears throat> it's some serious shit. So be careful. Take care of yourself and tune in Wednesday. We changed our ending sh- song to Matt Best quarantine song. We're going to play that till the quarantine's over. And uh, I'll see you Wednesday. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Store after the stampede, people fight for toilet paper like the USC. Nothing left on that shelf but a lonely campaigns. So I guess I'll head back to the house and take a bath and bleach. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine. Can I get some fresh deer meat? Well, I hope your family's well. Hope them hands are clean. Any chance that you might have an extra AR-15. Quarantine, quarantine. Drinking whiskey like vaccine. Waving at the neighbors. Social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine. Wearing lights all like sunscreen. Quarantine, quarantine. Some Stop, stop, stop. I meant that in like a metaphorical sense, not a literal sense, because if it came together, that would be the antithesis of what quarantine means. But good thing we have FaceTime because we can hang out and make dumb songs like this. And shout out to all the healthcare workers out there. And, and Tim, I really like that chorus. Let's hit that one more time. Quarantine, quarantine, drinking whiskey like vaccine, waving at the neighbors, social distancing. Quarantine, quarantine, wearing like